can't handle the truth. No, Jack, you can't handle the truth. See, the truth is that All Things Film offers the best value in free movie podcasts on the internet. That's right, free, as in it costs you nothing. Daily Grindhouse, Films and Swearing, a movie podcast. It was only a pound. La La Film, Maths Movie Side UK, Podcast on Fire, and of course, Film Sploitation, the All Things Film podcast. All free and all available online on iTunes, on the podcast app, on Stitcher, on TuneIn Radio, direct or from www.allthingsfilm.co.uk. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. See, as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a podcaster. All Things Film, the premium film movie podcast feed on the net. This Week in Sleaze, with your host, the Great Lord, Joshua Regal, and Sleazy K. This podcast has been rated Category 3. No one under 18 may be permitted. Let's talk some fucking and fisting! Yes, when I first uttered this primal grunt that only involved fucking... It was in connection to a dissection, discussion, probably circumcision, of uh, two Hong Kong or Taiwanese hardcore porn titles, home, uh, hardcore porn t- titles, Mind Fucking Ghoul Sex Squad, back in this week in Sleaze 11, I believe. Uh, it became the calling card, the mating call, in order for an episode of this week in Sleaze to be orally conceived, A-U-R-A-L-L-I. And it rings even more true than usual for this episode because we are back in hardcore porn territory and we'll be talking of the Julie Lee-directed and headed mega-production of ugly pornography called Trilogy of Lust 1 and 2. The trilogy concluded at 2. Actually, that, that's half true. Uh, Germany took the Ivan Lai horror movie The Imp from 1996 starring Diana Pangdan and raped by an angel's Mark Chang and slapped Trilogy of Lust free on it, so they got a trilogy and they boxed it together. So there you go. But anyway, I am Slice Gaya with me is the great Lord Joshua Regal. So say hi first, buddy, before you go on. Hello. <laughs> and uh, But it's not only me and Joshua this time. Uh, not only our voices, our extra characters, not only Hua and Michael Wong and Sean Connery, <laughs> but we got some very special guests as well. And the, those guests are the other parts of the podcast, the Trashy Trio, that Joshua is also on. And I'm talking of Jay and Wendy. So say hi, guys. Hey, friends. Hello. Hello, guys. Uh, and the third one in that trio, as I said, is, of course, Joshua. And he's got a dilemma on this show. Which what? show to side with more? Is he a guest or is he a host? <laughs> oh, God. Ponder that while I... You know, go on and talking about some other trivia. Like, ponder in a way where you really come to the conclusion and come to the right conclusion. Guys are tearing me apart! <laughs> so, I mean, you're Josh on that show, you're Joshua on this show. It could be argued like, yeah, you can do a pirate voice when you're Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different character. On here, I'm British, right? Or something. Austrian, Australian, or something like that, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're not going to make it difficult for you. The Trashy Trio is here, and uh, Joshua and Josh is the same, and uh, I'm, I'm glad to have us all connected. You were kind enough to invite me onto your show, and I'm uh, returning this a favor, and hopefully not for the last time, certainly. So, welcome again, and uh, strap in for some 
for some uh, ugly pornography. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, let's go back to Mindfuck. I mean, uh, in my viewing habits, I discovered something uh, fairly recently. And uh, it's a little correction. We normally don't do this because uh, no, one, uh, no one ever tells us anything if we are correct or not. But uh, anyway, recently I saw a movie called, uh, that I picked out of the pile uh, called uh, Luchai Ghost Story. And when I started watching it, hey, this looks awfully familiar. Hey, wait a minute. This is Mindfuck, isn't it? Uh, but it's actually the soft core edit of it. And uh, then I went back to look at that crappy VHS copy of Mindfuck that we watched. And uh, uh, the correction here is, uh, I when I first saw that crappy VHS, it looked like that title was original. Because you had Chinese, whatever it reads in Chinese, and Mindfuck underneath it. But when I look back at it, that title is superimposed on that hardcore pornography. Aww. I thought it was original, but... Uh, uh, what you also can see, because I sat down to watch these two side by side, like really study them. Did you but really? I did. That's horrible. Yeah, well, <laughs> to, to, to be honest, uh, I studied mostly the uh, the sex scenes, obviously. Yes, well. Narrative stuff. <laughs> uh, but anyway, clearly what, what you can see in, in this one, as opposed to Trilogy of Lust, that all scenes but one clearly has really obviously looking and separately shots uh, separately shot shots of hairy genitalia during the old in and out. And uh, because in Trilogy of Last, you can clearly see and uh, determine that they're doing it for real. Here, it's really, really separately shot. Uh, I doubt it was shot during the same time this particular uh, humping scene uh, went on, you know. Uh, but there is one scene involving an old-timey big wooden dildo that was shot hardcore with the actress that is present throughout the movie, and the Category 3 version just does a jump cut to um, cut around this and never show her, uh, never show, you know, never read uh, So this production, Mindfuck or Luchai Ghost Story, they knew it was going to be one way in one territory or several territories and another way elsewhere. For instance, in Hong Kong, uh, uh, because being rated Category 3, you can't have uh, hardcore pornography, as we've uh, concluded many times. It's also amusing the mindfuck translation because it was translated in English, a new one. It adds this unneeded layer of complexity to an all to an otherwise simple plot, because we when we reviewed it, we could, we didn't understand it. Like what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the original movie, so to say, is way too way more easy to understand. And the new translation that I'm talking about, it also is a lot more profane, like or modern day like uh, slang and profanity added to a period sex movie and it also has some more scenes of comedy uh, compared to Luchai Mindfuck wants to be more of a comedy and a hardcore pornography movie so Joshua Mm -hmm. the great scene that ends the movie no what a mindfuck freeze frame best moment of the movie yeah it's not in Luchai (laughs) ghost story son of a bitch (laughs) they had less comedy you know, <laughs> which is crazy. Like, yeah, we gotta be wacky and so to say, sexy with all those ugly, ugly, ugly sex scenes. Ah. So <laughs> there you go. But but uh, so that, that that I was joyous when I found out that uh, found that out. You know, I could add that trivia to the memory bank. You know, I'll I'll be able to tell a few people uh, about it and uh, your children. Tell your children one day. <laughs> exactly. Because here in Sweden, we're open like that. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I say all of this uh, to correct uh, to correct what we said on that show, but it also fits with, with the discussion of, tr- of Trilogy of Last. As it's uh, also available in a no doubt about it hardcore edit, as well as a softcore edit prepared for local cinema release in Hong Kong rated category 3. So 
we'll uh, we'll be looking at both a little bit and compare them a little bit. But, but the main discussion will be about the XXX version of Trilogy of Lust. And uh, that's a long-winded way to uh, to set it all up. And uh, therefore, some contact information. And we'll talk a little bit to the Trashy Trio before we get into it to bring some context and check uh, to really um, check into their private lives and uh, really do an examination uh, that uh, will uh, shame them at the end of this show. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but anyway, uh, this is This Week in Sleaze on the Podcast on Fire Network. We are on podcastonfire.com along with uh, all the bonus episodes and other shows. Email podcastonfire at googlemail.com. We have, just like the Treasure Tree, a discussion group. Uh, you can reach it through the page that you can click and like, facebook.com forward slash POF Network, or type in Podcast on Fire Network in the Facebook search bar. Follow our tweets and follow us at uh, twitter.com forward slash Podcast on Fire if you just want to have some updates in tweet form. And uh, goodreviews.com and sleazykvideo.com is my writing and video reviewing, respectively. Uh, a lot of cut and paste exploitation, ninjas, Godfrey Ho, Richard Harrison, but also Taiwanese movies and category free movies and, uh, and uh, a lot of genres really. I write about pretty much anything I get my hands on. And I also tweet at twitter.com forward slash so good reviews. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And if you have the time, please leave a small written comment that will act perfectly and suitably as a review. So uh, thank you very much if you've done so in the past. And uh, finally, stream us on Stitcher Radio if you don't like downloading podcasts to your device. Available on their Stitcher.com website, but you can also download the app to your iPad, Android, or uh, iPhone, of course. And uh, once you're in uh, Stitcher, type in this weekend's list to add us to your favorites and see the various uh, updates. And uh, ShelfLifeClothing.com, at the time of recording, they're hot! Because ShelfLifeClothing.com and their Caucasians t-shirts, which is a parody of the Cleveland Indians baseball team, logo pissing some people off apparently some irrational people getting up in arms <laughs> but uh, the actual good people get it and shelf life clothing increased sales like you read about and i'd like to oh, say yeah. we had a hand in that but we've never mentioned the caucasians shirt on this show so well you, you constantly been telling people to buy a goddamn t-shirt so i mean they listen i mean active, i'm being actively angry about it where can I find these shirts? Shelflifeclothing.com. Very good, you asked. <laughs> <laughs> he should, like, get slc.com if it's not taken already. Just shorten it up, yeah. I have a feeling that's taken. Uh, you know, probably goes to a porn Salt Lake City. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy for Brian Kirby and his uh, T-shirt line. He deserves it because uh, those are awesome T-shirts and he's, he's a good man. And uh, that Caucasian's um, uh, T-shirt, uh, sat- satirical T-shirt, just... Just type it in on Google and you'll get a bunch of articles about it. So uh, have some fun reading some irrational comments, but mostly people get it, thankfully. <laughs> thankfully. Because Brian has not come on the fire. That's the main point. You know, everybody gets what Brian is doing, except for that tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of uh, dumb people. Yeah, it's been awesome seeing, you know, kind of the publicity it's gotten him and stuff. So buy a goddamn Caucasians t-shirt. <laughs> I can't believe this is actually an issue. <laughs> Apparently it is. Irrationality is always an issue and out there, my friend, so I'm not surprised. Uh, well, I don't I, really I, understand it, but yeah. So I think, it, is it reverse racism they're complaining of or something? I don't know. It's making fun of something that's politically incorrect. It's making fun of something that people take offense to, so isn't that... I don't know, I give up. <laughs> <laughs> 
And that rap group that first uh, was shown mm-hmm. having that uh, T-shirt on, I'm, I'm hoping their sales have gone up, and I'm hoping they're actually a good rap group and not this horrible <laughs> gangster-like uh, condescending to women type of rap group. You know? Yeah, I'm not familiar with them, but I did see the pictures, so they seem like nice guys in the pictures. That's all I know. rap. <laughs> 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 we know you love all that Master P stuff, so you can... <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, guys, your time to plug. First of all, Joshua, uh, you always plush. Uh, plush. Yeah. Plush. I'm Sean Connery. Uh, Sean Connery asks you to plug the trashy trio, goddammit. So please do. You, 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 you have some writing, too. But uh, please plug the trashy trio, as always. And, and you always do a sales pitch. I want to hear Jay and Wendy do, like, the trashy trio sales pitch as well. So let's uh, let's do it in turn. So first of all, you, Joshua, what is the trashy trio? Uh, trashy tri- you can find them at trashytrio.lipson.com. It's the first time you remember that URL. I know. I'm always because uh, God, I think our Twitter is like the Trashy Trio. I don't know. It might just be Trashy Trio. I don't know if we actually are on the web if we've published any episodes. <laughs> can anybody hear us? I, I, I like to pretend that people can hear the episodes, but mostly I just delete them after we're done. But um, no, yeah, uh, TrashyTrio.Lipson.com. Uh, we also have a Facebook group uh, that you can find. We also have a Facebook page, but go to the group because there's awesome conversations being had in there about movies that are. Really not appropriate. Yeah, that's a good sales pitch indeed. So let, let, let's go to you, Jay. If someone asks you, what is the trashy tree, or what would you say? Um, how well do I know you? <laughs> excellent, excellent. <laughs> I would love for that to be the poster, like this very like vague at a bus, bus stop. How well do how well do I know you? The tragic tree lives in the Is that well? I'll better go to the URL then. That work. If I have to deal with you on a day to day basis, I won't oh, say no. anything. Mm-mm. That's all. That's very wise too. <laughs> that's good. What What about you, Wendy? What is the tragic trio? I would say the Trashy Trio is a very sex-positive, feminist, uh, uh, you know, politically correct show where we, you know, we express ourselves in a healthy manner. No, that's cisgendered bullshit, right? <laughs> well, it's, you know, it, it's, it's very, we, we accept all genders. We accept uh, people who believe that they're blue alien gods. We accept people who, you know, whatever you believe yourself to be, you are one of the Trashy Trio. <laughs> What what we would should have done there is someone should have had a buzzer ready uh, and push it whenever you made a wrong statement. Like the trashy trio is politically correct. It's a podcast for everybody. It's it's very popular in grade schools. I hear they listen to us on the playground. Jesus, that, that's actually we have to stay 500 feet away from. Oh yeah. That makes more sense. But, uh, yeah, that, that is trashy trio repair. Like, uh, a podcast about dirty movies, essentially. You know, trashy, sleazy movies. So there, there you go. Uh, and, and you all know it by now. You, you've heard Josh uh, pitch it a number of times and sold it very well on this show. So there you go. The trashy trio is a romantic journey from Italy J- to Japan and back again every <laughs> single episode. <laughs> We've done a few American movies. And all, all, all the glory holes in between. Let's get into it. Uh, I know uh, we have some uh, plugs uh, ready uh, for you, Wendy, but you, you, you're going you're, you're gonna to mention them in a short bit. So let, let's just talk a little to our guests uh, or co-hosts, uh, Jay and Wendy. I'm always interested in movie fandom. You know, I'm, uh, so if we start with you, Jay, I know you're surely interested in a, a varied amount of genres. I mean, judging by the trashy trio, and you, you have no problems discussing different genres. But is there like a one 
big wide one from some specific country that just has like fascinated you for a number of years and still does like one genre or country that you consider yourself more an expert on i'd probably have to go with japanese monster movies it's where the madness resides for the most part <laughs> and then are you like me more uh, more into um uh, well, well, I shouldn't say that. Are you more into the newer Japanese uh, monster movies, or are you more of a, an older generation fan, if you will? Well, there's sadly not many new ones. Did mm-hmm. I miss something? <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 the ones from like uh, the post-millennium and uh, onwards, like from 10 years ago, there were some Godzilla movies, if you will. Were you, did you like them as much as you liked the 50s, 60s, 70s Godzilla movies? Oh, yeah, instance? yeah, yeah. I, I love them all. And at this point, the series is pretty much put to bed. So, I, you know, they're, they're different. They're different eras, but, you know, I, I like them all. I can't hate on any of them, and I, I just love them all. What is your favorite uh, monster, then, Japanese monster? Well, Godzilla would be the obvious answer. Is Gamera, is Gamera and Mothra and Ghidorah, Ghidorah even close, or...? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I love them all, and I have toys in shiny discs with their movies and books and magazines covering them all. So yeah. Is this something you ever wanted to blo- like blog about and write about, or even did uh, at one point, or do you have that in you? You think yet to express? Yeah, it? not not really. I mean, it's pretty well covered at this point. You know, there's August Ragone and there's Steve Rifle, and there's just you know lots of authors and books. So it's it's well covered and. I don't know. It's it's just a hobby. I like to watch, and I pretty much like <laughs> yeah. that. Watch and collect things and put them on my shelf in the plastic bags. <laughs> You're a big uh, toy fan, more uh, too. Of uh, like you, you get so you have like twenty variations of uh, Godzilla that's been released uh, throughout the year. So, oh well, you just don't have one Godzilla. I mean, each. <laughs> Each of the 28 Godzillas are each individual and different creations, so you have to buy one of each variation. There are the 28 is, Godzillas? Yeah, because each Holy Japanese crap. Godzilla is different. And that, that doesn't include the two American Godzilla movies or the American cartoon. So each Godzilla is different, and there's toys for each one. And if you're, you know, a hardcore fan, you know, all the different variations of Godzilla and, you know, you're compelled to own, you know, there's always a new sculpt and a new toy and it's just, it's madness. The bigger, the bigger, the better or or the small ones are really, really cool as well. Well, there's some really cool, small, like, uh, dioramas, you know, um, that are well sculpted. It kind of all depends. But then there's some really nice new X plus toys that are big, you know, 12 inches and uh, well-sculpted and fantastic, and they're also quite pricey. So it's it's all kind of what you like. Some people like really realistic representations, and other people kind of go more towards the, the vintage, you know, toys from your childhood kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, it just kind of all depends what you like. There's something for everybody. I, I remember um, watching a comic book man, uh, one of the episodes had them uh, selling this... Uh, uh, Slightly older Godzilla toy from the seventies that had it, it came it had wheels and a detachable arm that you can essentially fire. The Shogun Warrior. I think it was, yeah. And I remember like that is not in any movie as far as I know. So let's put the expert to like test here. Does Godzilla fire off his like left or right arm in or, or oh, wrist Ken, or hand? Can you you know better than this? <laughs> <laughs> maybe I do, maybe I don't. I'm sleazy K after all. My mind is clouded by porn. This, this... 
clouded by porn or semen, which is it? Um, <laughs> um, that's that's the, the 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 big American toy that was popular. That was pretty much one of the only American toys that were available back in the seventies at the height of Godzilla popularity. Mm-hmm. So in the U.S., that tends to be fondly remembered because that's the only exposure people had. Right. And to me, I mean, I own that. I had it as a kid, and I still have the one I had as a child, but I don't even have it displayed because I think it's so awful looking. When I saw it, like, I wouldn't want that personally. I would probably want to collect some other design than that. That's the determination I made seeing it on the show. But uh, that guy wanted it, and he paid big, big bucks for it, so there you go. Yeah, that that's a childhood nostalgia thing, which I kind of don't get. I mean, I have nostalgia for the films, but for particular toys and such, I'm never like, I need to own this toy from my childhood. So that that I don't I I don't understand. I just looked up pictures of that, and yeah, it looks pretty awful. It's, it's a big <laughs> it's a big green gorilla with a red tongue. It's that's out. what it is. Wow. But I sent you guys pictures from San Diego Comic Con that they're redoing that doll. They're re-releasing yes. that doll like this year. Yeah. Yes, and it's based on the Mo- Mosigoji, which is from uh, Mothra vs. Godzilla from, what, 62, 63? They kind of use that design. <laughs> he still so shoots an arm? I don't know. Does it shoot an arm? I kind of hope not. And uh, is, there, is there a new toy coming out there for based on a new Godzilla that you have to collect, or you already you already bagged us? Um, you know what? I don't like any of the, the American toys. I saw them, and I think they kind of look cheap and crappy and I guess I'm just a big snob and I'm kind of like I'll wait till the Japanese toys come out and I go to Japan uh, I've been enough and I'm sure I'll go again and when I find one over there because I'm sure the Japanese toys will be better and uh, cheaper to find them over there sometimes used even I'll uh, snatch one up then but I'm not in a huge rush to go out and, and grab it I, I like the new design but I'm not gaga over it um, I'm sure there will be like a Blu-ray limited edition in the US that will come with a crappy little toy based on that design you know and that will bump the price by a hundred bucks well the, the, the American toys are, are kind of awful I mean the big one it's like a two feet tall or it's like 18 inches or something and but there's big like rivets in it and I'm just this is I can't deal with this <laughs> It's all hard plastic. You could bludgeon somebody with it. <laughs> right on. Well, let's uh, let's uh, move over to you, Wendy. I mean, aside from having no self-censorship whatsoever. Oh, no. And uh, being the queen of oversharing on the, <laughs> the Trashy Trio, which is why you should listen to that show in their top three, uh, top three segment. It uh, usually features an oversharing moment of Wendy's, and it's always – you always manage to better yourself <laughs> each week sometimes. <laughs> Or better, the oversharing moment. Maybe not better yourself. I don't know how you, how you see that. <laughs> but but the thing is, you don't idly sit and wait for Josh and Jay to call you on Skype to get a podcast done. I mean, you you have your own podcast as well called Double Page Spread. And uh, I saw it described in the following way, which is hopefully fair. Uh, when you look it up in iTunes, it says the following. A podcast about comics, fandom, and exploring the creative process. So... That means this connects to a love for all things comics, and it takes a behind-the-page angle. But uh, that's just me kind of uh, bullshitting, possibly. What is a double-page spread? What would you uh, say to someone who hasn't listened to it, what it is? Uh, that's exactly it. I love talking to I love talking to comic artists. I love talking to comic writers. And I really, really enjoy just hearing about, you know, what they go through and what, what makes them tick. I, I really love hearing about how, you know, how the comic industry 
is is in such similarity to like the music industry and the film industry and how fans you know people who are hardcore fans of things are just hardcore fans of things across the board you know like all of my film fr- you know all of my film friends have the same sort of compulsions as my comic friends and, and I just I just love to hear about that I love to hear about you know what makes people push themselves and it seems like you can get people on as well I'm 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 not saying you easily get like the the big guys every week but it seems like you have a guest every week and uh, so so has it been easy to get people to talk about it or or, or that's not difficult as such it's really it's super easy like it's really fun to get people to talk like i harass people on twitter i get people <laughs> who would have thought would come on my show i had christian glover come on my show i just get people to come on my show like all the time just by asking it's I've only had like two people be you know be be rude about it, but even the people who may not have time will still you know come back to me a year later and come on. So and you don't need to go for three or four people to get to the person, you know? No, to... no, because comic people don't have managers. Really, so. That's awesome. <laughs> when you're when you're talking to them on Twitter, you're talking to them, you know. Very cool. Uh, Crispin Glover, how, how does that fit into all things comics, if you will, to simplify to simplify my question as possible? It, it doesn't, but I had the chance. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? And then it was funny because I asked him, I was like, oh, do you read A comics? Do you like A comics? And person, the only person he knows about in comics is Dan Klaus, who that week had just been ripped off by, uh, by Shia LaBeouf. You remember that? Yeah, I do. Yes, yeah. So, so I was like, "Oh, how topical!" This this fell into my lap that we could talk about that. And he didn't even sound that insane during that interview. No, he was. I never, I never heard him sound insane. Uh, Besides that old Letterman interview. I was about when to say, I've seen him on Letterman. Then. I mean, I mean, uh, yeah. Well, I've seen parts of that, but I, it's uh, supposed to be an act, I think. But regardless, he's always very eloquent and very, is uh, very precise in in the way he um, he speaks and what have you. So uh, uh, it's a guy I like listening to just to hear him talk, I suppose, because he seems like he, he seems like. Um, he, yeah, he, well-rounded and Hollywood didn't uh, like uh, kill, kill his soul, I suppose. Uh, Wendy also had, um, what's his name? Uh, da, 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 Jones, the guy that played uh, in Hellboy. Oh, Doug Jones, Doug Jones. Yeah, there you go. Had he him was recently. too. Yeah, he came on and talked about his roles in Pan's Labyrinth and Hellboy and all those things, and he was super nice, too. Uh, are you able to uh, do this on a weekly basis, therefore, based on the fact that you have to get guests and edit, I suppose, yourself and publish? I, I try to do it three times a week. I try to do, you know, or not, not, excuse me, not three times, three times a month. I try to get out three episodes a month. That way I give myself one week buffer of breathing room and editing and so forth. It seems like an endless well then of uh, people to talk to. I mean, uh, uh, I mean, how ep- how many episodes are you up to by now? Almost 100. I'm up to like episode 91 this wow. week. Wow. Yeah, nice. yeah. So I just went out to San Diego Comic-Con and, um, and it was amazing. Like I wasn't, I didn't officially have a press pass, but I told all the publishers that, you know, I wanted to tape interviews. And one publisher, Boom Studios, they just like set me up on a balcony in this really, really nice hotel and just kept sending out artists for me to talk to. It was great. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was so nice. I felt like a real professional. <laughs> and I got to talk to Eric Powell, who is currently writing and drawing the uh, the Big Trouble in Little China comic. Us. Yes, and so he's doing an Escape from New York comic now, and so we were talking about that and talking about John Carpenter, and it was a lot of fun. Oh man. <laughs> Living the life. Living Can't the wait life. for your top three, Wendy. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got to save. I've got to save everything. 
So you never so 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 you never feel the urge to ask uh, ask any like um, questions that would be more fitting in the trashy tree or so. So when was the last time you had anal sex? <laughs> <laughs> No stuff like that to Crispin Glover, you never. No, I'm surprisingly, I'm surprisingly re- reserved. <laughs> <laughs> I keep all my rampant nastiness for the trashy trio. It'll be a bit, it'll be a, like a shock to uh, uh, listeners of the trashy trio. Like, is this, this the same Wendy? <laughs> it's so funny. I had someone. I was talking to somebody this weekend, and uh, they know me from Double Page Friend. They know me from Twitter and stuff, and they're like, "I didn't know you were so into movies." <laughs> what? I can't imagine that. Like, they're not friends with me on Facebook. I just can't imagine anybody not knowing that I'm not, like, hardcore. <laughs> you were talking cannibal movies with uh, that one guy who wrote that That's book. That's true, with Steve Bissett. Steve Bissett wrote yeah. a book about cannibals. That's true. So on that theme of movies, you know, as per the question above to Jay, is there, like, one genre of movies, one era, one country that just does it for you? Like, that's, like... That that you just absorb and uh, and uh, it's like endless exploration kind of thing for you. I love crime films and I love spy films. So mm. I like anything you like. I love Euro crime stuff. I love seventies. You know, I love Italian films. Obviously, I love a lot of that. And I like anything. I like anything James Bondy or knockoff James Bondy. I like anything. You know, I like a lot of crime stuff. A lot of a lot of espionage. I like conspiracy movies from the seventies. I like a lot of that. And they're, 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 there's a slight, you know, uh, exploration to do in Hong Kong, therefore, because the likes of Shaw Brothers, they tapped into the whole spy, uh, you know, spy popularity of the 60s. So you have a variety of movies from a big studio in Hong Kong making movies like Asia Paul is one uh, with a very young Jimmy Wang Yu, which is funny. They shot that movie. It's a by a Japanese director. They shot that movie simultaneously with a Japanese leading man. So as soon as they were done with one, they just took Jimmy Wang Yu out of the scene and directed the scene again with the Japanese leading man. So Asia Paul has this uh, alternate Japanese edit that plays out exactly the same, essentially. Like like Interpol with Asia thrown in the title? Okay. <laughs> it's about as fun as it sounds. Uh, it, it was okay, but not uh, not a wacky, wacky like colorful Shaw Brothers time or anything. And Jimmy Wang Yu looks about 14 in that movie. Very, very young. Right on. Well, we are done for this uh, introduction, if you will, and after the slight musical break with the uh, magnificent score from Trilogy of Lust, uh, an excerpt from it. I don't know. Yeah, well, there, there was some kind of kooky music in there, some heavy metal and oh, some. Oh man, there's some like yeah, there's some rocking music. Metal, Trilogy of Lust, Trilogy of Lust. So let's let's just sample the heavy metal music and listen to that for 30 seconds or so, and we'll be right back. Welcome back, and let's talk Trilogy of Last from 1995. And plot from my review of the film, a tiny, tiny plot. I hate writing them, but thankfully this was very simple. Julie Lee plays a mainland girl with harrowing memories from the Cultural Revolution. She has a sexual awakening after marriage to a failed doctor who's now a fisherman, and then tries to elope with a young fisherman who's called Un or On or something. I, I never really heard of the name as such. Uh, the subtitles say On, so there you go. Okay, so a little bit of background. I mean, this 
was made in 1995, not necessarily during the Category 3 boom. It's fairly late, but the, the, the show was, you know, Category 3 sex movies and exploitation movies even in 1995. The likes of Eternal Evil of Asia came out in 1995, and that's the movie. Uh, and the most popular still from that movie is uh, actor Elvis Choi, who's in part two of Trilogy of Lust. He's turned into a dickhead in Eternal Evil of Asia, and he's a big, he, he's a big penis. And they, they, they actually did that uh, mask or makeup job there and what have you. And i got to tell you, it's a fantastic looking <laughs> piece of... It's wonderful. If nothing makes you want to see the movie. And, and the, the, the fact that you, he, he has a moustache in that movie and that moustache is still present uh, while he's a dickhead. So. And it's by Cash Chin who did uh, Sex and Sand 2 and... Uh, the fruit is swelling, the category three version of Big, if you remember. I remember your fruit is swelling episode. Yes, yes. indeed. Exciting. And even uh, he made a movie a few years ago called The 33D Invader, uh, Cash Chains. We're still at it. So it's no surprise that Trilogy of Lust was made, but the appearance of hardcore porn uh, in a movie at all, you know, whether it's a genre movie with a ghost theme, as we talked of earlier in the show, or a drama in this case. That was also released as a softcore version for cinema. That was not very usual. We, we have a handful of movies, like three or four, but certainly not something that was a given. Like, like we got 20 movies a month that was done that way. You know, it would have been fantastic, but uh, that was a very unusual. But lead, co-writer and director Julie Lee clearly wanted all of this, you know, on screen. And she wanted to enhance her rep and career. But some, ironically, 1995, when this was made, was like the tail end of her filmography. You know, it didn't work. No. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. They, they, um, she appeared uh, in one movie later on that I'll talk of in a little bit. Uh, but also, if you look up this movie on Hong Kong Movie Database, as main director, they also list Men Behind the Suns, Mu Tun Fei. Uh, and uh, that is actually pretty much confirmed. It's an un- In actuality, it's more of an uncredited co-director and uh, going by instinct I think he was just there to kind of lend a storytelling hand to first time director Julie you know maybe he was there a lot but I I, I think he was there to assist and kind of get it done because uh, I'm sure Julie had instincts in her but um, there's a reason this invoice out there and she, she probably needed a little bit of help being you know writer and producer and lead and director at the same time it, it's draining for anyone you know even a professional so uh, but uh, let's talk to you, Lily. I mean, you, you guys have uh, skimmed this outline, so you know, you know there's some fantastic uh, trivia behind the, behind the biography here. And uh, Julie Lee was uh, special. She's my new hero. <laughs> she's, uh, un- she's rare in this industry. And uh, 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 one person quoted, and I, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you what person uh, said this. Uh, uh, one person said that she's uh, scary. She's the most scary woman I've ever met, essentially. <laughs> but anyway, she started in 1992. She got visible roles in Category 3 movies like Dr. Lamb. I think she's one of the victims. Uh, Chinese Torture Chamber Story. She is the wife in the uh, uh, Waifu Wire Sex Duo that consists of Elvis Choi as well. And they have Waifu Sex in a Chinese Torture Chamber Story. That was uh, a viral video back in like the Shiraza Kaza file exchange days. Free YouTube, that clip from the wonderful movie by Bosco Lam, uh, produced by Wang Jing, a Chinese torture chamber story. That sequence is amazingly well put together, I'll tell you. Because it, it's not only funny and creative, like the various sex positions that they engage in, but they do it on wires, for heaven's sake. It's like it's like Wang Fei Hong, you know, Once Upon a Time in China. Wires and everything, but sex instead. Sex. 
Uh, it's it's great. It's a wonderful movie. We'll cover that and the sequel eventually uh, on this show. She's also in the Untold Story. She's the woman who gets the chopsticks rammed up her vagina by Anthony Wong. She probably insisted on doing that for real, but it is fake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do it. Do it. I dare you. We talked about this extensively in the uh, Untold Story episode as well. It's a pretty nasty rape scene. There's nothing funny about it, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a quoted moment from the Untold Story. Uh, you you see it off screen, it happened, and then you see a shot from underneath the table uh, with her like legs all limp and blood just running down uh, running down the table. So there you go. That may have been the first Category Three film I ever saw. Did you like it? Oh yeah, I loved it. <laughs> even, of course. Even the inappropriate moments of uh, comedy spread out throughout the movie. Well, you know, Wong brings the funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not really Wong in that case. It was like Dan- Danny, Danny Lee, Lee. Danny Lee <laughs> appearing with a new prostitute in every scene uh, uh, he appears in. Uh, he's the police, um, you know, he's the police chief. But the reason Danny Lee, I mean, to go off on a tangent, he he's the one who wants to clearly promote the uh, Hong Kong police, you know, because he wanted to be a police. In that movie, they play Macau cops, so they are all goofy and shit. So, <laughs> so he took the liberty to really really do some dumb shit in that movie. Uh, but anyway, back to Julie. She's also in somewhat the class here, Category 3 fair, like the war drama 1941 Hong Kong on Fire. Also has its share of dopey moments, but it's a, more of a, uh, a harrowing war drama. And the last credits, and it, this is amazing. We should all look up this movie to see it. She appeared in a US movie in 2001 called The Ghost, where her co-star was... Michael Madsen, Mr. Who, who is he in Reservoir Dogs? Mr. Blue? Or something Mr. Like? Mr. Blunt. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Blunt. Yeah, that's right. So, not that Michael Madsen only took classier roles and what have you, but still, Julie Lee, Michael Madsen, 2001 US movie called The Ghost. You know, you, you, you got to see it just to see it, I suppose. It has to so be good. Besides that movie, her career lasted all of three years? Uh, it's essentially, yeah, yeah. I mean, she was uh, she was kind of being busy and uh, making the most out of it, uh, rather than one movie a year. Yeah, yeah, I understand. The the work rate in Hong Kong at that time was was pretty high. So uh, that's uh, she. Uh, th- therefore, she is kind of remembered. You know, she. Uh, by this time, though, it said when she made that 2001 movie, she was trying to like downplay her previous like industry drive, you know, and her intent in the industry. But uh, before there was some great stuff you know uh, she didn't want to downplay anything before so uh, <laughs> uh, there, there, there's a reason Wendy says that this is uh, her new hero and uh, it's it's impossible to kind of dislike what she, what she did you know she, she didn't like fuck anyone over she was just just on her own which is admirable in a way you know no one did this as hardcore as Julie literally you know Amy Yip and Shu K they were you know, little they were a- pussies, pussies and angels. <laughs> you know, Julie went and she she stormed into a man's world. <laughs> and here's and- my pussy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so uh, let, let's talk about all of that. Uh, I saw one article, uh, one or two articles. Um, she she had an aura of uh, I'll do anything to make it. And uh, the thing is, she was well educated. She came from a rich family who apparently owned or owns still, if it's an active company called the Kowloon uh, Motorbus Company. And if I understood the timeline correctly, she was married several times, maybe still is, uh, including to a gentleman that uh, after they broke it off and she returned to Hong Kong, he followed her to repair the relationship, but he ended up killing himself. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 
Uh, and she was quoted as Julia after reportedly the marriage being one of mental and physical abuse directed towards her. And she said, quote, I don't actually, uh, I didn't actually think he would kill himself. It's odd, but when he first came to Hong Kong, I felt sorry for him. But after his death, I felt nothing. Whoa. Cold-hearted, that's how you gotta be. <laughs> At that point, a lot <laughs> of abuse right? apparently had to have been directed towards her. If it's true or not, you never know. But uh, uh, the, the even more tragic thing or goofy thing or freaky thing that happened afterwards, if you will, uh, when the police arrived on the scene, they discovered that her husband, that was apparently called Frank, uh, they found his body and he was only in a pair of women's panties. Wow. For whatever reason. So, yeah, okay. So he wasn't playing with a full deck, more than likely. Based on that alone, so something was up, definitely. He, he sounds like one of these characters from a Cat 3 movie. But not as funny. But probably not as funny, now. <laughs> Look at <laughs> me, I'm wearing panties. You know, it was not funny like that. You know? I will have sex with her so bad, I'll wear panties. Ken, oh, I've got a question for you. So, in Category 3 films in Hong Kong, because I know in most uh, the Hong Kong movies I've seen, which are, I've seen more action stuff than I have Category 3 sex films, it seems like a lot of times that they would import um, foreign actresses to actually... Have be the ones that get naked. You're right, and they uh, they, they they did that uh, partially back in the nineties. You had a mix of Hong Kong, Taiwan, and Japanese. So by going absolutely off the rails like Julie Lee does, wouldn't that kind of, as far as the culture of Hong Kong movie and just kind of the general public, affect your upward mobility as opposed to making you a a, a sensation? It doesn't seem like something that would be appreciated within at that time. You're absolutely very right. I think the reason why people like Veronica Yip and Shu Kei went on to like dramatic roles and even awarded roles is that, I don't know, being a category three actress in softcore stuff that is, you know, not as intense as what we see Julie do, the, the chances of you getting mainstream success is a little bit better. You know, you're not, you know, committing career suicide. But Julie's, I've never heard of anyone being so insistent on the being so hardcore literally you know shooting a hardcore movie and being so out there and open with her sexuality i I think it was like in actuality she probably didn't see it that this way but in actuality i think it was just bound to fail with the public you know and with producers as well this uh, like i'll do anything stance which sounds like it should be a given to getting movies and what have you and for a while for a while she did and and i think it's a few years into her career that she really decided she wanted to grab hold of her career this intensely and that's what kind of killed off it uh, killed it off which it, it's admirable that she dared but um, it's, uh, it was not bound to succeed anytime soon and uh, yeah there's also an age thing there I think uh, some producers thought she was a bit too old to be doing these movies which I, I think is rather unfair because I don't think she's too old and certainly she's got the looks and the body to uh, mm-hmm. to appear in these movies but I was yeah, just just it seemed like total career suicide was what she was doing. Yeah, <laughs> career suicide like a fox. <laughs> she was a genius. Don't you disrespect Julie? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so she wasn't considered ugly because she was a part-time model in the U.S. Uh, before coming to Hong Kong. So forwarding to the 1995 production that we're talking about, she was quoted as saying that her desire was to get this beautified sex in movies, both good and violent. And that she did. I mean, is this beautiful sex that we're getting in these movies? No. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's not really it's not really even uh, erotic you know the second movie does a better job at that but uh, it's it's certainly uh, she wants to have sex in movies and then some that's uh, good and violent <laughs> Uh, and, but, but when news got out that she was making a hardcore porn movie, as we said, the ripples weren't necessarily positive, and the film ultimately did not blow up at all. I mean, uh, publicity-wise, she was hot for a while, though, because she did a penthouse photo shoot in 1995 in May, and uh, she, she was also, as a character, obviously very free, very much a free spirit. Uh, it's said she, that she did nude interviews, that she appeared as a bondage model to make some money. She put out a nude book of uh, a book of nude photographs featuring everything from bondage to her walking the Hong Kong streets in nothing more than high heels. You know, even Donnie Yen has done a similar thing because there's tons of footage with him without the shirt on for no apparent reason <laughs> in the Hong Kong streets. <laughs> but he does have pants on, so... Uh, so, so, that, so that was kind of a, you know what Julie did. But she, I'm thinking that she, because her family was wealthy, she could afford to kind of do this. And maybe she was backed by money she had earned and maybe money from previous marriages. But uh, at this time, I read an example that she was like publicly, publicly humiliated on this um, local variety show. So it seemed like she was an easy target for uh, just to make fun of. And uh, her, her drive wasn't appreciated, which I think is a shame. I mean, d- these are not the best movies, and there's, but they're certainly not the worst movies that came out of 90s Hong Kong, you know. Uh, and she, she, had a, she had a unique pursuit of being a Category 3 slash hardcore uh, adult starlet. Uh, but ultimately, it did peter out. And um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I like her unique... Uh, perspective that, he, that she put in movies but uh, I think it was doomed to fail because this is not what you do with regular movies you know because you're mm-hmm. either a porn star or you're in movies and uh, I think the public perceived her as she's a porn star and we want nothing to do with her which is yeah, it's a shame unless you're Sasha Gray <laughs> who's Sasha Gray? <laughs> a porn actress who starred in a couple of uh Big movies or whatever. Marginal movies. <laughs> Marginal movies. Well, what? Yeah. Uh, what's the that girl girlfriend? Experience. Yeah. The yeah. Which was Soderbergh, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Steven Soderbergh. Yeah, that's right. Uh, to finalize all of this, I like this bit of research that I uh, found in this uh, article at popfiction.com. Uh, so to quote the article, even former Category 3 actresses um, were disgusted with uh, Julie Lee's take on the industry, and they threw, they threw in their two cents. In the May 1995 uh, issue of Oriental Sunday, Julie Lee and Amy Yip, big, big-breasted Amy Yip uh, with the Yip tees and all of that, they took turns name-calling each other with Amy Yip referring to Julie Lee's breasts as bags of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love that because it's not like I don't like your breasts or they look fake. No, bags of shit. I'm going to use that. Next cat fight I get in, man, I'm going to use the hell out of that. Your tits, tits, uh, your look, tits like... look like bags of shit. Well, <laughs> you know, it's how do you, what's the comeback after that? You know, it's pretty like high up there. Like. <laughs> Uh, Julie Lee, uh, she uh, fired back, of course, uh, quote, if that's true, then she's a plastic bag monster, <laughs> in reference to uh, Amy Yip's uh, silicone implants. So, there you go. It's not as uh, good, good on you, Amy Yip, but the bags of shit versus plastic bag monster, I go with bags of shit, too. You know? Yeah, bags of shit kind of wins it. So, so, and finally, I, I got a quote from uh, Hong Kong-based uh, Mike Leader, who's been involved in numerous movie productions and behind-the-scenes work, and kind of 
knew of Julie Lee after you know being in the industry for so long. So his quote, I have friends and acquaintances in both the American and Japanese AV world and met a few actresses who are extreme, but she still freaks me out. Hey, I was just thinking, can it can that insult be used for men? Like Josh, can I appear to your cock as like a sock full of shit? Yeah, I think that that would That's hurt. cool. That's cool. All right, good. Okay. Like, oh man, I'll take any attention I can get. <laughs> you and your sock full of shit. Your testicles your full of shit. Yeah. It, it's 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 just a magical combo of words. Really, a bag Maybe of shit. Maybe if you had some balls instead of a bag of shit. <laughs> underneath your limp dick. That's too, that's too long. That's too long. No, it's too long? You gotta get... Da, 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 you know, gotta uh, get two, <laughs> free, free beats, you know. Oh, it's... Uh. Like, it has to, you have to hit him with the impact and then, you know, duck out. Yeah. See, Kenny, Kenny knows where it's at in delivering good insults. <laughs> I, 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 I know language. what works. I, I know that what works, but I'm, I'm not good at delivering insults myself because I'm too kind. Aww. If I if I became another character, then maybe. No. <laughs> <laughs> No breasts are bags of shit. <laughs> she got a great ass. But her breasts are bags. <laughs> By that point, Michael Mann yelled "cut" before, like, uh, yeah. But she was like, "Great ass, but cut." What? What? I got more. <laughs> right on. We are. Moving on, and we're going to talk and review the movie now. So, Trilogy of Lust. We're doing one and two out of the trilogy. First up is... I'm here. What? What? I just it underexcited. I want to tell you my opinion. No, 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 no. I'm here. I'm here. It's all Trilogy of Lust. So, let's talk of it. And I think we're going to share our brief opinions first. And I think one of us is very much enthusiastic in terms of sharing her first brief opinion of the film. Wendy, what did you think of Trilogy of Lust? Oh my, that was certainly lustful. <laughs> That's a great brief opinion. We'll stay right, we'll stop you right there. So let's go, let's go over to Jay. What did you think of Trilogy of Lust and Julie Lee's vision? Uh, incredibly wrong-headed. <laughs> so, so very fair. I like it. I like it. Uh, briefer than usual. That's extremely, extremely inspiring. So um, I may end up being uh, the one with the long, longest brief opinion. So Joshua, Trilogy of Lust, yay or nay? Uh, a yay. And sex has never appeared so disgusting on screen. <laughs> well, it probably has, but in terms of maybe the Hong Kong market, I don't know if I've ever seen anything quite as uh, unusual and... Uh, Bizarre, which means that you should go out and see it. It's kind of quotable, and uh, uh, so for me, Julie Lee does make a real movie here. She does. She has. She she tells a story, but is it affecting? No. Is it sexy? No. <laughs> no. Is it worth storing in your library of movies to know of during this erotica boom in nineties Hong Kong? Yes. And they contain sites you don't see in an actual movie in Hong Kong because this is an actual movie. This is not a shot on video type of pornography movie, you know. But uh, some of the sites even made my stomach turn. And we're not talking gore here. <laughs> uh, uh, Julie, Julie, really didn't, really didn't. If I just asked the room again, like you, for instance, Jay, even if it's wrong-headed, you know, do, do you think she has still attempts to tell a story, uh, Julie, here, even if it's not well? Uh, yes, definitely. I mean, the, the core story... It's okay, it's there, I see where you're going with this. In the hands of a good director with a vision, it could have been something. 
And uh, what about you, Josh? Uh, is it? Uh, I mean, uh, to you, is it just a, a, a story excuse to like uh, feature a lot of sex scenes, or do you think she she were onto a little bit of something when she told this drama? She had high intentions for this, you know. Like while watching it, you know, with the uh, the hand over looming, I guess, and. Uh, over everybody's head at the time. There's all this stuff about the mainland and things like that. And it's like, I know she's going for something with this movie. And I, I know there are, you know, big things in her head, but uh, her limits as a talented uh, director and uh, whoever was responsible for the editing of the film kind of uh, loses sight of that. And I think that uh, there's, there's an interest, relatively interesting story in there, but, uh, it kind of gets overshadowed by everything else. A lot of uh, fluids and disgusting uh, <laughs> stuff gets overshadowed by. A lot of by. lube. A lot of nasty I, lube. I think it, it was, uh, you know, I agree that definitely it was It was trying to, it really wanted to make a statement about, you know, the culture on the mainland and the, the hardships of women, you know, that way. But I also think that it was, it was sincerely a, a film that was trying to encourage women to discover their own sexuality. Sure, sure. I mean, that's not a unique story angle, I'm sure, but uh, it's uh, it, the, I mean, the structure is there, and I admire her for that structure. It's never affecting, though, because this is a drama we're supposed to be affected by the uh, romance that takes place and the eroticism that takes place between two young characters, and uh, it, it it never like it evolves into a melodrama, and that's where it all goes wrong in terms of its chance of uh, us crying for these characters, which uh, we're crying with laughter, certainly, but, and they're crying because it's so disgusting. Turn it off, turn it off. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but it looks like a real movie. Uh, it's uh, it's shot relatively well and all of that, so it's not this grimy on the fringe production with lots of shots out of focus and, like, uh, ill-framed and what have you. So it's uh, she, she gets points for that, and she's not shy uh, about, you know, even pre-her own sex scenes, uh, you know, she gets content in there like when uh, the husband uh, sees uh, all the merchandise available to him, the, all the potential wives that he's um, that is uh, there for sale. In there, uh, there is a, a woman with a penis, uh, and uh, this even got into the category free edit. So that was not too much for censors to show a woman's uh, pee pee. Yeah, so she was not cisgendered. <laughs> no. <laughs> Obviously not. <laughs> so it's this kind of ugly world in a way, like the uh, women for sale and what have you, and they, they come with their emotional baggage, as we uh, as we see with um, Julie Lee carrying harrowing memories of the Cultural Revolution, the really harrowing memories. And that was like a G.G. Allen-esque penis, I must add. Like, uh, And that reference is lost on me. Oh, I'm anyway. sorry. Uh, he was a punk rock uh, musician who played nude and like smeared himself with feces and stuff during the uh, 80s and uh, I believe early 90s. Anyway, he had like this, uh, like a baby penis. And uh, a lot of people said it was because he supposedly took uh, cement and stuck it in his urethra. But I don't know if that's true. Holy hell. <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought I'd drop did, did, yeah. This is normally stuff that Wendy knows about. When did you get this kind of stuff into your memory bank? Like, hey, guys, i got to tell you a fucked up story now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I just had to watch an instructional video about sounding once, about how to safely insert things in men's urethras. Oh. And one of the most terrifying things is, like, if you're not holding on to a sounding rod at all times, like, it, it's highly likely to just slip up inside there. And Jesus. if you're wearing rubber gloves with lube on it, you know, I'd be kind of afraid of that. 
Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> Never mind the egg in this movie. Now I'm, now I'm creeped out. <laughs> the yeah. egg. Oh. But we'll get to that. The thing is what I also like here, that it's a common movie in a way, the story thread, because it's an immigrant movie, someone coming to Hong Kong, the, the city of hope, the country of hope, if you will. And it's even echoed in uncredited co-director, Mouton Face movie, Lost Souls, his um, Shaw Brothers torture immigrant drama extravaganza, where, <laughs> where they dream of Diamond Hill. Uh, it's an area in Hong Kong, and they think it's that, literally. They think Diamond Hill is a land of riches, and when they get there, they're completely disappointed. And and uh, she's coming at it from that kind of angle, too, that as long as she makes it to Hong Kong, uh, which is later in the movie, that, then it should be, you know, a little bit of right, a little bit of right in her world will, will enter. You know, that's the story beat that you need, and uh, that's, you know, that's fine set up as a drama. And uh, sex can coexist with this, but it kind of overshadows it, and uh, therefore... We get to the doctor, our disgruntled doctor, who's uh, cheated on his exams, so he got thrown out of uh, school, presumably, became a fisherman, a very bad fisherman. But he still has um, basic doctor's training, uh, and he performs uh, a basic, um, you know, examination of uh, Julie Lee. And uh, I don't know, I, I guess talking about this is fun, but <laughs> what do you think of overall in this movie guys is it is it sexy at any point either in this scene the examination scene all the way till the end so if we go around the room again is it at any point sexy what julie lee does and what's done to her in this movie so what if julie lee is one of the worst kissers ever <laughs> she's always just sticking her tongue out and just like licking at people it, it's oh, not yeah. it, oh my gosh it's <laughs> way more in the second one but julie lee is a horrible kisser it's kind of the character too, but yeah, that's uh, that's um, that's not a skill she kind of uh, becomes better at, you know, a skill set. But uh, I don't know what what did you what did you think of the examination scene, uh, uh, Wendy? Is it like gleeful the pornography in this movie? Is it too much? Like, or or have you seen worse? As a matter of fact. Oh man, it's weird because it's gleeful in. And it's disgusting that, like, <laughs> like, I wasn't sure what was supposed to be erotic and what wasn't. Like, the scene with him taking uh, the probe and sticking it in her vagina and, like, her kind of, you know, moaning and liking it or what have you. That was a very medical uh, procedure, like, to check check her wetness, I suppose. <laughs> I guess. And then he takes it and puts it on a slide and, like, just leaves it on the counter. I, like, I bizarre it's kind of it kind of becomes disgusting from the get-go in a way i mean i have no problems with this really but it's uh, uh really julie really are we going yeah we're going this far aren't we and either that's faked uh, arousal fake wetness or it's not you know <laughs> i don't know yeah uh, maybe she's too into that so i don't know but... which leads into our conversation about whether or not squirting is real but you know <laughs> I haven't read too much about it, so I can't say I've or, you know, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but have you have you ever witnessed it? Have you ever done this for someone, Kenny? That's the question. <laughs> I can't can answer if you like, <laughs> if you're really curious, but uh, I don't think anyone else is. So. Oh, yeah, I am. <laughs> All the time, of course. Oh, my gosh. All the time, every time. He's got a waterbed filled <laughs> with women's uh, squirt. <laughs> Jesus. You make that assumption about me. <laughs> But what do you think, Jay? Is this is it ever like the verging on erotic, or has Julie got the wrong idea about sex and erotica in your head? You know that may be her thing, but it, it doesn't do anything for me. 
<laughs> uh, I did not. There wasn't much erotic in this, aside from some nudity. When you're like, all right, that that looks good, but aside from that, I can't say any of the, from the kissing to the 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 fisting that we'll get to later, to the the uh, the, the swab insertion. Mm-hmm. To the egg play, it nothing, nothing was was hot. And really ill, really ill choices of music as well. Because at one point you get when she starts discovering the uh, stash of porn mags that uh, her husband has, uh, you get heavy metal in that scene. But in other scenes, it sounds like almost like Vangelis style synthesizer score. I, I can put up with music being wrong, but just the actual visual sights. You can't even get that right. The music, I'm not even worried about. It's it's almost you know I don't, you know I don't know if it, it like uh, it, it's her going you know oh well if they just see my vagina that's sexy right you know <laughs> like let's just show a close up of my vagina that's gonna get everybody turned on you know I don't know if it's that or if it's like I'm gonna do this in a way that you know I'm gonna mix in sand I'm I'm gonna use this egg yolk and it's gonna be really nasty and stuff like that and I'm gonna make an anti porn movie. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know from which direction it's really coming because, at the end of the day, I don't. You know, it's almost like it's they make so many choices that just remove you from any kind of erotic moment that you have to say, well, you know, it's got to be intentional. There's there can't be any way that she's trying to like just seduce the audience because it, it's so far from that. Mm. You know, it's almost like those two characters on you know, and Ati. They're clearly enjoying it, yeah, but that's not that feeling is not something that reaches us at all because we're just looking at two characters, yeah, experimenting for sure, and they're enjoying it seemingly, but it's kind of boring after a while. Like, okay, here we go again, sex, 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 sex. All it is is sex, sex, sex with you, Julie, and uh, and, and because the drama is so basic and it kind of just goes overboard and and it's melodramatic and it's not emotional either, it, it does get boring but quotable. For a podcast, anyway, you know the content is quotable because I, I don't, I, I've not seen many actual movies that were also uh, uh, hardcore pornography, but I don't think I've seen a rape scene with shots of full penetration. Uh, and this is what we get here, which is kind of uh, unusually dark for for any movie where we see uh, where we see that that we know is happening anyway, even when it's. You know, when it's a you know in a regular softcore movie, now it happens for real, and it's in our face, and we see close-ups of uh, the gentleman's uh, hairy and spotty ass, and you know if you're gonna do it, then do it do it for real, of course, make it ugly if it's supposed to be ugly. But this scene, this rape scene, if you will, it's other scenes that are supposed to be sweet and erotic. They're kind of on the same level. It's all it's all <laughs> all the same ugliness, and that's not a good. Verdict for eroticism. You know the grade of eroticism. This this sequence with like the um this blood smeared all over uh, Julie's crotch and uh, fish, uh, fish dead uh, fish. Yeah, yeah. Fish guts or fish blood or what have you. Yeah. It's hard to imagine just making anything less sexy. You know, I don't and know. He's kind enough to be a good husband and bring home a hooker for his watch his <laughs> to watch and learn from. <laughs> right. He gives her a notebook. Instructional <laughs> tool. Pen and paper. <laughs> it's, it's like, here, you're going to take notes on this. And, and, and the thing is that it's funnier in the softcore edit. The subtitles uh, are of the kind where the, uh, 
the husband actually tells her, this is this position, but he's not saying like, this is missionary, this is da da da. No, no, this is total doing this and this, you know, it's, it's, it's like a a description of the position, but, uh, you know, in an almost poetic way, if you will. And she's noting that down, uh, writing that down, but that isn't said in the um, English dub. Uh, it's a just tang reaching for the sky. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> they sound like kung fu stances. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so there you go. But it's, it's um, I don't know. It, when all was said and done, is it is it an easy movie to get get through and watch, or is it because it's so ugly and it's eroticism, if you will? It, is it kind of boring too? Uh, what do you think, Jay, about that? Uh, it's not boring. Well, uh, some parts were, but it kept my interest just because it's such a train wreck. <laughs> and, and and when you think it's gone uh, gone far, then it goes a little bit further. It's, well, I, I watched the softcore edit first, and then I watched the hardcore edit, because I thought it would be more interesting that way. No. <laughs> Was it, as a matter of fact? Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> I, I, I admit I fast-forwarded through some of that sex. Oh, yeah. Oh, I watched all of it. <sighs> And uh, and yeah, I mean, in terms of the structure, yeah, part 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 of what she's uh, experiencing before she meets on is uh, she's being degraded. You know, she's put in a position of, you know, that uh, you know, learn sex and now you got to practice sex, and it's it's essentially you know even rape at that point. You know, and uh, she's not a great actress, but at least you know we get the story beats uh, and uh, there's precious few female directors in Hong Kong. We got to say say that, but Julie Lee is no. Anne Hoy or Clara Law or any other good female director, but uh, you know at least at least she you know headed a production like I'm doing this, I'm writing it, I'm producing it, I'm starring in it, I'm directing it. Like look at me, motherfuckers, and and no one did, no one did really. I think no one really cared about her. I, I still admire the stance, you know. Um, she truly is the Noah Ephron of ugly sex. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> You, you know, before we get to really stupid erotic scenes, the only one I thought was slightly erotic was when she um, starts uh, finding out uh, uh, how to masturbate. You know, that, that sexual awakening, like she starts finding out, oh, this is good, this feels good, and then On catches her at one point. I think the funniest sight is when On first sees her. I don't think when it is when she's masturbating, but she runs out naked at one point and she sees her when he delivers her vegetables. And he, he gets so scared that he falls back into the water, cut to Julie, cut to him already in his boat, speeding off. You know, oh my god, what are the boobies? No, mommy! Oh, a naked woman! It's, it's, it's so quick, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a quite, it's a dumb, it's a dumb edit because all of a sudden he's in the boat and he doesn't look yeah, like he's been in the water at all, but uh, there you go. <laughs> How stupid, on a grade of, on the scale, if you will, if we, for instance, ask you Wendy, how stupid is it to focus on having an erotic scene and planting eels in the same oh, erotic God. scene? How, how stupid <laughs> is that? The, the eel hand job? Yes. I mean, by now, I mean, the character, okay, I'm, just, I'm discovering things. Oh, this looks like, I think it looks like one of those penises. Fine, but it's really, really stupid. Come on. That's got to be one of those anti-porn moments, man. Because there's n- who, not even you know, in Asia where like you know seafood's such a big thing. There's no way anybody watches that unless they've got a specific fetish and goes like, "That's hot." Well, wasn't you know, there something the- similar? I forget what was. Oh no! In in the Tin Drum, 
You remember that movie where, like, the woman ate eels until she got so sick? I don't. What is this? <laughs> oh, it was a German a German film, The Tin Drum, and, and yeah, there's a, a woman, I, I forget whether she was aroused eating eels or whatever, but she ate so many eels that she, she died. There's a lot of weird Japanese stuff you could watch with eels. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe every other culture has some sort of eel thing that we don't get. I don't know. Uh, I, Jay, you've been to Japan. Is Did it you just throw like fields in Japan, Jay? <laughs> is it just a common thing over there, or is it more a very, very specific niche? A common thing is if I took a pole. Like, like you're walking down a street in Japan. You know, is it common to maybe see a man or a woman on the side of the road having sex with an octopus? Um, no, I think that might be Korea. Just because I've seen old boy. Oh, okay. Well, you maybe could, maybe they're you can go I can usually find an AV shop on the street like my radar is tuned to that so I can duck in and find some porn <laughs> and depending on what type of shop it shop it is you can usually find something odd like that See, but it's, it's not just out on the street corner you know no I mean it's a horror it's a it's a horror movie now when they start having sex on the eels it's a horror movie to me because <laughs> yes, I no no way that you can She's trying to claim that they're so into each other that lust blinds them like times 1,000, and they just go at it. Uh, they throw the eels, like someone off camera throws the eel into one of those like uh, fishing pond nets, and then they go at it, and I don't know what they were, what she was thinking if this was to her. They're so in love and so in lust that they don't care. Fine, but it's a horror movie now, for heaven's sake. Ugh. Have you seen Impetus Fire 2? Uh, nope, haven't. I have heard of the. the I didn't know there was two. <laughs> I've heard of one. I'm pretty sure it's two. You should check that out for more. For more, uh, I, uh, Hong, I don't know if it's Hong Kong or not. But it's. I thought it was a Hong Kong production, but for some hot eel action, you may want to check that film out. But but man, I, I mean, there's no way you can do anything but like marvel at this thing that they did it and laugh at it or how, how was your reaction when watching this stuff Wendy I mean did you start frantically scribbling down notes like oh my god oh my god well you know I had to scribble down notes when he said to take a pen and paper I feel like oh this is useful this movie's educational and and of course you know I need to practice that thing with the eggs <laughs> yeah I mean on, on the scale of like okay what's the most stupid thing in this movie that they do like the eels is not it you know <laughs> It's it's the exit. I mean, jerking I, off an eel is not the stupidest thing you do in a movie. <laughs> it's eggshells. <laughs> I mean, I leave uh, I leave it to someone better than me to describe what goes on in the egg scene. So, uh, want to set that up, uh, Joshua, for us? <laughs> um, yeah. So basically, her little lover boy that she meets on the dock is uh, a delivery boy, and. Uh, he happens to come by. It was actually after the sequence where uh, she kind of catches him torturing that one girl that uh, his grandmother tries to introduce him to. The boy's grandmother or aunt or whatever is trying to introduce him to all of that stuff, but that's beside the point. So he, he comes over and he's like, hey, I got this basket of eggs. And uh, at first she's like, you know, fuck you. I saw that chick out at your little farm or whatever, and yeah, da da da. And uh, he's like, no, baby, it's not like that. I don't like her. And he's, she's like, oh, okay. Well, now I'm hot. And so they start making out, and um, uh, and so 
basically, you know, they kind of, like, I'm trying to think, what is that where, like, is that a thing where people, like, make out and pass things between their mouth or whatever? Other than, like, you know, snowballing and blah, blah, blah with semen. I'm just, like, maybe no, it's No, that's not. not a thing. It's not a thing? Okay. It's Julie's thing from now on. <laughs> I get so, horrified if a guy is still chewing gum in his mouth if I kiss him. Uh, but maybe I've seen that. Maybe that was in a movie or something. Somebody passing gum to the other. I don't know. Some of the ping pong ball. Oh no, no, I'm thinking of Children of Men, but that wasn't sexy. <laughs> so he takes an egg, and I believe it was him, right? He start, he starts it off, puts the egg in his mouth, and kind of like partially passes it to Wendy and Unwindy to Wendy. Wendy. So they start kind of like doing this thing where like they're, they're sucking it between the egg together. Yeah, uh, it's like a double-sided dildo. Which but would be like fine if it was if it, did not, if it was if it did not break. But obviously it's the egg breaks uh. and there's yolk pouring everywhere. And like there's this point where like um, I can't remember. If it, I think it's it's her. Like she like spits out some yolk after it's all fallen down. Like spits out a goop a yoke over on his chin and ah oh, that just... doesn't uh, turn them off Robert that is extra fuel <laughs> right yeah, I got the dry heaves during this scene <laughs> oh you're, that's the scene that turned my stomach like no, stop it stop it but they don't they keep at it you know because that egg uh, ends up somehow I, I know how but, but cut to it's in her pussy how yes. did you get an egg in her pussy without breaking it I don't think I could do that it's talent, Wendy. And it's a sixty. What was it? A sixty-nine, and she has. He's he's licking the kid. I'm for God's sake, Julie. No, he's doing a horrible job. He's horrible at like going down on her too. It's just terrible. He's like licks her fur more than anything. That's terrible. I feel sorry for her. I'm like, geez, she's not feeling anything. I mean, it's an idea, but. <laughs> it's an idea. All of this, but I don't know. Here's the yeah. question. Would her pussy have to be extra loose to be able to fit an egg up in it without breaking it? Maybe it was shot around the time of the fisting. <laughs> yeah. hey, hey, Wendy, did you say extra loose? Oh, <laughs> oh hell! <laughs> but, but, Matt, are you, I mean, are, are you sensitive, by the way, to this stuff, Jay? Or do you have an iron stomach for even this this uh, extra, extra nauseous stuff? I mean, I didn't get physically nothing. I was just like, okay, this is just not attractive. <laughs> it didn't phys- it, it didn't repulse me or make me a physical reaction, but it was just, the, what are you doing? It's like dial it back, Julie. For her- okay, you're not gonna dial it back. Well, fine. It's like the scene. What was it in, in Hot Shots? Ridiculous kissing love scene in that where they just keep pouring stuff on. It's just this is yeah. not sex. That was parody, people. This is like Julie thinking that this is dramatically sound with and erotically sound, which is, which it's not. It's not. It's it's. I, I nearly started fast forwarding. It's like, no, stop it, stop it, Julie, please. <laughs> and they go into extreme close up with the egg, kind of like you can see, like Julie sitting there, like. Oh, yeah. Uh, doing her little, like, almost what, Kegel, like, exercise while the egg is, like, partially out of her vagina. And, like, you know, the only thing I can think of that's kind of similar is, like, the, the talking asshole from uh, Pink Flamingos. Yeah. Does remember that? Just, like, the horror of that. This is uh, very similar. 
<laughs> yeah. John Waters would have loved this scene, I'm sure. So, like, I want to befriend her. I want to befriend her. He has her own speed dial. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, what else is there to talk about? Uh, again, my, my final notes on all, on all of this, even when it turns, you know, literally there becomes um, this murder involved in this movie and and they elope and they're, they're on the run and they're, they're clouded by, you know, romance and sex and even bloodshed doesn't seem to stop her their positive mood together because uh, even after killing a person during the end of the film, uh, she gets a piggyback ride by on and she and she's happy about that like hey piggy, piggyback ride like they're, they're so like clouded by by their romance and sex which as a template on paper fine but again it's uh, it's not well executed where we feel that's disturbing or even uh, emotional that's the stuff that to me you know dramatically doesn't work like the the whole sequence like there's that, that bit where um the the aunt or whatever has come to visit and uh, she's visiting Julie's husband or whatever. Well, she ends up catching the two of them having sex. Pardon me, I just want to say the funniest moment is when she does catch them on drops Julie Lee on the floor. Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> There's that whole sequence. And then, like, it immediately goes in this thing where they accidentally end up killing this, this you know, woman. They end up killing her. And, like, there's, like, in ten seconds flat, they take the body cover it in plastic tarp and then put it and throw it in a boat or on behind the boat and drive off with it or whatever. And that's like the last, that's the only time we have to worry about that. You know what I'm saying? I like, they just dispose of bodies left and right. Like they have no problems. <clears throat> right. Murder has no effect on these people whatsoever. It's just like, Oh, well we just had to kill them. And you'd think that somebody who's supposed to be in Julie Lee's uh, position, somebody who's come from her entire family being murdered and stuff like that, you know, you'd think psychologically this might have some kind of an effect on her. And then later in the movie we find her husband. Well, actually, see, I can't remember if they said it during the Triple um, X cut, which was mostly dubbed. But uh, in the softcore edit, they uh, the husband or whatever references his ex-wife as having been murdered and him basically having cut, killed her and in the like, dub, definitely, and I, I think for some reason I didn't see the same, watch the same scene carefully in the soft query, because I know what you mean, because I, I'm not sure he told uh, a lie or just said casually some truth about <laughs> the death of his wife. Like, basically in the soft core edit, she's like, what happened to your ex-wife? He's like, oh, she got, she died. And she's like, how'd she die? Uh, she got chopped to death. Okay, well, yeah, what's right, that? Yeah. How'd that happen, or something like that? And then he and he's like, "Well, something." And then I cooked her up with, uh, a, well, she got cooked into a stew, basically. So this guy basically, and then she's like, "Are you lying?" And he goes, "What do you think? I have to always tell lies, you know?" And that doesn't have any effect on her, which is weird. And then later on in the movie, he ends up at a poker game or whatever. Someone says, "Hey, your wife's cheating on you," and he goes into a mad rage, ends up killing a guy in front of people, basically. You know, like, everybody knows him and this other guy go fighting into the other room, and the other guy gets chopped to death. Well, so everybody should realize, okay, he's a murderer. And this guy goes home, Julie Lee and uh, the boyfriend end up killing him, and they go on the run because they're all of a sudden the murderers and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, you probably could have stuck around and discussed this with the police. This guy just finished committing a murder in town. You know what I'm saying? You could have claimed self-defense. You know, people aren't going to believe this guy came home. Oh, man, dude, yeah, I just committed murder. What into it? Oh, what? You're going to murder me? Ah. 
It's a yeah, rationality is not uh, what we find in the writing and the choice based on the writing, obviously. But uh, um, I'm sure we, we we can get back to uh, whatever notes you have, guys, in other parts of the movie. But uh, let's talk the finale. The the finale, the crescendo to this melodrama. <laughs> It's built to this, y'all. We're obviously spoiling it, because how can you not talk of this final scene for him's sake? Every review for this movie spoils it. Yes, yes, because it's maybe the most quotable scene, at least in the XXX version. So they're obviously on the run, and they've uh, they finally... Um, uh, they've decided after killing off a shop uh, shopkeeper that she steals um, wedding garments uh, that she attempts to buy, but uh, she, her cash is... Uh, not uh, they are hardly the couple from Badlands. They're hardly basic right. <laughs> Martin Sheen. Badlands, it is not for heaven's sake. No, I mean there, there, there's no fisting in Badlands. And how we get <laughs> how we get to the fisting is they they've stolen these um, uh, Chinese wedding uh, uh, gom, uh, garments uh, costumes and uh, and and they get married on on uh, top of the top of the hill, the top of the mountain, overlooking Hong Kong. She's finally reached Hong Kong. It's so emotional. Let's get married. And what happens after that is is not romantic, really. No, <laughs> everyone likes a good wedding fisting. I'm not familiar with Chinese wedding customs as such, but I'm not. I'm sure. I'm sure it doesn't involve the following: taking a lock of the woman's hair. Tying that around the husband's dick and rubbing that said dick and balls with sand and then fucking him. I don't think that's part of Chinese wedding customs. That's part of masochists' yeah. customs, I suppose. I mean, Julie, eggs, eels, tying dicks and sand. I mean, what do you? I mean, it's your thing, but it's not cinema for the rest of us, really. I wondered. I wondered if the sand thing and really the the fisting that leads to and everything i wondered if it was in some kind of uh way for her character i guess i don't know paying for her sins maybe or something like that stop it it's just Uh, well (laughs) no there's a reason you don't just throw sand into a scene like and go yeah this seems like a really sexy idea you don't do it period (laughs) she was so happy to be in hong kong she had to pick up the soil from you know the land of freedom I'll buy that. I'll buy oh, that. I'm sorry. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. That could be it, but I don't know. And it's clear, too, I mean, if we can discuss such aspects, it's clear, too, that Julie does all of, or at least most of these hardcore scenes because we don't have these obvious, like, cutaways shot in clearly some other place you know we see her perform all of this maybe and this is only maybe you brought this up josh maybe the actual fisting might might be someone else but that's i'm i'm, I'm kind of leaning towards it only because you know when they go back to him just regularly you know fingering her two fingers in and stuff like that we get shots of her face you know and whatnot but the the actual you know fisting you know the five fingers in is just uh shown from just a close-up of the vagina are you suggesting my girl is not really taking that fist? I am. I am. Oh. I'm suggesting it. I don't know if it's true or not. But no, I, you think, know, it's, I, it's, think it's, she, I think she's into it. I think she totally did. I think she is an artist, sir. <laughs> she, she she'd be totally started. into it. I know that definitely. I mean, and, and I, I'm I'm not sure they really had many people on standby for doubling here. It seems like <laughs> such a production that was on its own. Yeah. You know, I, I when I when I get a fist double, you know, <laughs> I try to make sure. 
You have to you have to make sure that the vagina is carefully you know looks exactly the same. Fist doubles right. are hard to find. That is, yeah. And Julie Lee is a, a find in itself, and she's the only one of, of her kind. So she is a superstar vagina. <laughs> oh boy! And, and the thing is, my me- I've been talking of this movie for years, and my memory was wrong. Uh, I thought the entire thing was simulated fisting. Only parts of it is because it ends with him getting his entire army in there, and that is obviously a perspective shot that they faked. I was disappointed. It seemed more like a palming than a full fisting. It, me too. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't go all the way to the uh, you know to the arm, we or, to the, even the, or to the wrist. You know, no. Nah. Should have been more wrist action. But the choirs on the soundtrack made it to feel very emotional, like ah, like the crescendo. <laughs> yeah, but wasn't that like kind of like a um mainland Chinese type like anthem or something like that? It, after a while, it sounded like it. Yes, I think it's uh, it, she wanted to connect it dramatically to the pains her character has gone through. By <laughs> I mean, and, and it all ends with uh, when she's finally received. The ultimate loving that she was after before death. She she jumps to her death and uh, and uh, he uh, jumps after after a while and then then that's the end. What what one thing that I didn't notice? There's a kind of gruesome effect at the very end of the film. It looks like her head is uh, has been detached and it's hanging in the tree and he is as well, and her internal organs are still hanging there as well. But her body has uh, been detached from her internal organs and that is on the ground. And that effect looked kind of like ew. That's, yeah, like, yeah, that's like Mootoon Faye style effect. Like, this is the scene where Mootoon Faye st- stepped in to direct a, a, like a gore aftermath. And also, the body's found by like this old man, and then this softcore edit, he's like walking along singing about Chairman Mao. Yeah, he, he's in an earlier scene during the restaurant scene between uh, them and the auntie. Mm-hmm. She asks, like, who is that? Well, that's just an old mainland soldier, and he pops up again for little reason really because i thought maybe they were going to tie him in as like the gentleman who like killed and was apparently eating her family or whatever well that's what i thought that's who i thought he was <laughs> yeah i thought that's what was going to happen but I, the movie just never went there so so again i, I mean i've stated it before intentions as a drama it has that it uh, completes the story beats uh, but not very well and intentions as an erotic like intense primal raw like sexual discovery between two characters it has that but it's not very good and uh, and you kind of laugh at it uh, more than you admire it and get into it and um but but i admire it for trying and putting it out there you know uh, we don't we don't see this uh, movie uh, like pop up uh, during this uh, this kind of movie pop up during this category three boom um, at all really it, it's its own thing I, i'll gladly rewatch it for some reason because it's so unique but to call it good would be obviously lying, yeah, but uh, I, I like you. I like Julie a lot, uh, based on this movie, despite all of that. Now the piss comes in the next one. Uh, but uh, really, I have some additional notes, but I, I want to go around the room, despite. Uh, so, if you want to share any other notes from any other point of the movie, let's uh, just do it. So, if we start with you, Jay, any spontaneous quotable elements from the movie that you want to bring to the table? I just, I was just in awe, and, and the more I learned about the director. Yeah, you're even more in awe. <laughs> what about you, Josh? I think, uh, yeah, I think we got pretty much all of it. The only thing I can think to say is like the uh, the sequence where the going back to the husband and the wife and her taking notes and all that stuff. Uh, it's like the sex scene, the uh, sex positions he chooses are like incredibly boring for the most part. And I like that in one of them, he just goes from like laying in a northward position while the chick rides him to like he gets up. 
and then just turns into the southward position and gets right back in the same position. <laughs> it's like, what the f- like, what's the point? It's that's a different you, view. Unless you're like uh, trying to go by some sort of uh, you know latitude lines or something, that's not really a new position. <laughs> it doesn't change if you just well, go. It's, from- it's your feng shui, you know. You oh, make sure okay. that's all aligned properly in the room. Oh, okay, it makes sense. That's it for me. And what about you, Wendy? Anything else you want to share? I just think that when you get fisted on top of a cliff, you've got to be a little bit more careful. That's yeah. the lesson that's the lesson I learned. Yeah. It couldn't have been comfy up there because they're not they they haven't laid down like blankets and what have you. They're just on the ground and on the mountain, you know, just in the dirt. Yeah, and it's the same in the second movie. There's something about like, yeah, be one with nature, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even think it's that. I don't know. I don't even know what it is. I'm telling you, it's not meant to be sexy. It's just, it's meant to disgust. And I think it does it well. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, I have some minor notes. I want to add some trivia and some notes on the Category 3 softcore edit. Uh, not a whole lot, but uh, we watched the XXX version uh, English dubbed. Because it doesn't exist uh, for the Chinese dub. They, you know, they only did one for the software edit. And a friend of mine who was familiar with uh, like voice artists, uh, the sound of their voice, he immediately recognized that he, he's heard some of these voices in Cinema City productions, like in maybe in A Better Tomorrow, Better Tomorrow 2, Prison of Fire, several like Ringo Lan, Giant Fat, John Woo movies. He immediately recognized those voices. And Cinema City, they were closed down in 1995, but clearly dubbing artists were still around in Hong Kong. So you might have heard some of these people dub the likes of Giant Fat and Maggie Chung, and in this case, pornography too. It did sound familiar. Several of the voices. So it's not like they brought in so, some random people. They they had some uh, some some voice artists uh, still were trying to make a living in Hong Kong despite working a lot for that studio. There was no more uh, by that point. I said they didn't bring in any famous cartoon voices. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe could have helped. Maybe could have helped. Oh, uh, what's up, <laughs> <laughs> So you're thinking egg there. Like, oh, ho, hey, kids. There is some actual actors in here that are in other movies as well, you know, and I doubt the old lady veteran actors, uh, which I, I, that plays the the auntie of uh, On. I assume she'd been around for ages because she's obviously old. She started acting at the end of the 80s. And in 1995, she looks about 70 or 80 years old. So it's this like old actors that went into movies and she's been in tons of you know, recognizable movies, even uh, closer to the millennium, what have you. This um, millennium, uh, this uh, old lady veteran, uh, uh, I doubt she knew she was in a pornography, uh, a porn though, you know, because uh, in, within the context of her scenes and all that, she's never near that at all, you know. But uh, other actors I recognize, uh, a veteran actor called Lan Fai Wong, who's in, among other things, Clan of the White Lotus against Gordon Liu. He plays this incredibly ill character, sick character in that uh, low late movie, uh, uh, just looks uh, like he's uh, about to expire, you know, and he's in a ton of Lao Ga Long movies, uh, Lan Fai Wong. He plays one of the uh, men the Doctor gambles with uh, towards the end of that movie. Is it the gentleman that he kills? Uh, no, that's another actor uh, that I didn't write down, but uh, it, it is another actor. And, and I mean, having Lan Fai Wong there, there is a bit of action in the movie, therefore, so maybe they can just have him direct a tiny bit of, you know, scuffle and wrestling, if you will. Category 3 movies wouldn't hurt a career, but I doubt all of these new they were in, uh, you know, actual XXX hardcore pornography. So there you go. 
And the next to last trivia, and uh, I think you'll get a kick out of this, um, Joshua. Uh, I talked to IFD and Filmark expert uh, Jesus Perez Molina this morning about the location of the finale. And he said the last sequence was shot in Hong Kong in a place called Devil's Peak, where most of IFD and Filmark ninja battles and shootouts were shot. <laughs> the opening scene of the likes of Hitman the Cobra, ending battle of Ninja Terminator and dozens more, and the rock where Julia and her male co-star are fucking, held the golden Ninja Warrior statuette in the Ninja Terminator. I think oh that's my. where Richard Harrison is bowing to the golden Ninja Warrior. Ew! I mean, she did it <laughs> afterwards. She did it afterwards, but... <laughs> Desecrated the land. <laughs> so it, it's a scenic spot, obviously, at Devil's Peak. It overlooks Hong Kong, so, I mean, uh, why not? And uh, Julie Lee went there, Richard Harrison went there, Godfrey Ho went there, and uh, Julie Lee, oh, did, boy, boy, did she go there. <laughs> Pierre Kirby's still stuck up there somewhere. <laughs> so, so there you go. I, I like that. And finally, on the Category 3 version that runs a few minutes shorter than this hardcore uh, one due to the Hong Kong census obviously needing to cut out these elements uh, of uh, hardcore pornography because you can't... Uh, yeah, you can have sex scenes, but don't hardcore, hardcore pornography in the Category 3 rating. Some scenes are simply cut up, uh, like the checkup scene. You never see him, obviously, enter her vagina with the little uh, little thing that a tool he uses. So, so that's insanely short. Uh, uh, on the water torture of the woman his grandma tries to set him up with is way shorter because you see her vagina, uh, despite him only like uh, spraying water on her, you see her vagina quite clearly, and I think they didn't allow that. Uh, but the thing that's the... Oh, by the way, the egg scene is almost completely gone <laughs> in the softcore edit. They kept them kissing, I think. Yeah, you can't cut around that easily. Well, they did, and then there was, like, nothing left. <laughs> they had two, two or three shots left of the egg scene and then gone. <laughs> but what they did with two other sex scenes is they artificially slowed them down. Uh, they cut out what they needed, and then they artific- artificially slowed them down. So two of the sex scenes uh, take place in slow motion. Which, you know, uh, so the movie reaches full length, I suppose. But it's clear that um, that was a needed choice. But They butchered it, really, though, man. Julie Lee didn't, like, shoot it in this way where the censors would have an easy time to create a smooth edit of uh, of these things. It's that we shot it this way, we got to cut it our way. Fine. It, it had to be, it had to be, like, uh, like you say, the censors doing it and not the filmmaker because... There's not even a smooth transition as far as, like, audio cues and stuff like yeah, that. Jumps all it, over the place. Yeah, it's brutal. It's like, you know, the music will be in one, like, the shot will be like, dun, 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 and then you come to the cut, and it's, dun, 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 <laughs> like, whoa. Then it's what? over. Yeah. Uh, but the biggest thing here is an actual exclusive part of the finale to the Hong Kong edit, uh, which contradicts the entire movie. <laughs> At one point in the softcore edit, I noticed that the subtitles grew, grew bigger. But okay, fine, they missed, uh, they changed the font size, whatever. But it's before they start uh, putting their wedding clothes on, she has a great big monologue about, I'm a broken woman, I'm a bad woman, and I've had sex with so many people just to desperately get out of China. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wasn't this about the sexual awakening, Julie? And now you're telling me that you had sex with so many people and you'd forgotten about uh, how to have sex during the time of uh, being scarred in the mainland. And it's a long-ass monologue that they that they insert there to pad out the movie, obviously, uh, because it's without it, I think it would have been like 75, 74 minutes, and that's 
pretty much too short. And it's great to have because you can have that piece of trivia that there is a longer scene at the finale of Trilogy of Lust, Softcore. She gives more information about the family being murdered and stuff like that, which I do appreciate that information. That would have been nice to actually have in there. but It's very sloppy, and uh, it, maybe it, we shouldn't be surprised that they, when they prepared this scene where, the way they dubbed it, because they might not have performed it this way, and with the way they subtitled it, maybe they just uh, didn't really care about how it played with the rest of the movie, and it actually does contradict the whole drama. <laughs> so... Sloppy. That's what it is. Uh, but anyway, let's, uh, as for availability before we take a break, uh, the hardcore edit of this did not play in Hong Kong cinemas and doubt it got video distribution um, in Hong Kong. Uh, I mean, I'm sure the dub was prepared at the time, the English dub, and they hoped for a release somewhere. But the only release I know of the hardcore uh, version is a VHS bootleg with Portuguese subs. It's actually missing a flashback scene, which is why the version you watched was partially subtitled. Uh, most know of the hardcore edit existing in German language only, and uh, it's received a DVD release there. And we watched a custom DVD with the English dub added to the German print uh, and subtitles missing for the few minutes of audio that was missing. And uh, the softcore edit is actually on that custom as well, that custom DVD. Uh, the hardcore edit is in full screen, but the print looks really good, actually. And uh, the letterbox uh, category free version is uh, looks good for the format. So uh, the elements are pretty pretty, pretty actually um, solid considering the uh, grimy, dirty movie that it is. Uh, so that's us for this movie. We have another movie to discuss that isn't as hardcore because it isn't hardcore. Trilogy of Lust 2, 1995 uh, production as well, was merely made as a softcore movie, but uh, it's a pretty wild movie despite so... Um, We'll, we'll check out and uh, we'll determine how much we think Elvis Choi is in Trilogy of Lust 2. <laughs> you know, uh-uh. taking bets now when Elvis Choi actually exits the movie. So keep an eye out and we'll be right back. Come back in a final movie of this special Tidal White Theater with the uh, with the uh, TTT Treasure Tree of Present and all of that is Trilogy of Last Two out of two movies. There was no third movie in 1995, sadly. And the second uh, plot from my review of the film, the second in the Trilogy of Last series sees Julie Lee billed as Julie Riva or Riva, but I like Riva. Riva uh, sees her donning her best S&M wear and killing off the horny Hong Kong men. Why? Because of an abusive childhood, of course. When she contracts HIV from one of her victims, her world crumbles. And the moral of the story is quite simple for this one. Uh, Also, uh, what I didn't write initially, and what I add now, is that two of her employees, because she's a company boss of some kind of company, they're hatching a plan to have Robert woo Linda, who is Julie Lee's character, in order to blackmail her. And Robert gets into the wooing and Linda's world. Big time. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He definitely does. 
so let's get into it. Uh, brief opinions on the table first. So let's start with you, Jay. Trilogy of Lost 2. Better, worse, what the fuck was this kind of opinion? <laughs> uh, it's as if somebody was watching too many Category 3 movies in the early 90s and was mm. just like, ooh, I want to incorporate this and then this and then this and they couldn't focus and then you have this and the ending is laugh out loud funny. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Good. Let's get to that eventually. Uh, Joshua, what did you think of Trilogy of Lust? Do it. Mm, way more conventional, you know. Uh, a lot less interesting, but still has enough in it to warrant a viewing for sure. All right. What about you, Wendy? What did you think? This movie, it has that same problem that The Hobbit has, where, like, you know, they <laughs> took some short source material and they tried to stretch it out over three movies. Yeah. Just like The Hobbit. Wow. How can I top that? I like it more than one. It's, it's such a wild, nasty time. And I, I, I dare I say it, a tighter, edgier film, despite the, uh, the un-edgy film uh, thing, rather, that uh, she does here by filming it softcore, uh, Julie. You know, that's not as edgy as when you do it uh, hardcore, obviously. But she goes places on screen, and the content is plentiful, as uh, Jay alluded to. What we should state is that this is a standalone film. It is, again, softcore. It was, by all accounts, shot softcore. And the uh, director for this wasn't Julie Lee. I mean, she did everything behind the scenes, including, apparently, art directing this movie. But instead, what we had here is, uh, I, I don't know, is art directing the, the shit that, the props and shit you put on the walls, so what could art directing be? I mean, it... art directing means the way that she laid out the way she laid out the jars of uh, of bodily part body parts in the, the the cabinet. I think that was the art directing. That's her design. That would that would make sense, yeah. And and the blue lit uh, bathroom or uh, a psycho closet or whatever. <laughs> that, that... Psycho room. That's actually the, what I wrote tr- in the my trigger notes. closet. <laughs> That's a good name for it. Excellent. Uh, but the thing is, what was apparently Japanese talent was brought in here because the credited director, who has no album credits as far as I know in Hong Kong, is Jiro Ishikawa. Uh, no one knows that name, uh, I assume. Jay, Josh? No. No, I mean, Kone Ishikawa or whatever his name is. But no, that's <laughs> a little bit different. Just a bit. I, I got excited. I was like, ooh, some Japanese talent. Maybe this movie will look really good. But uh, it, it did look like other pink films I've seen. But but it starts quickly. I mean, why even have a production company logo or credits? Just start fucking. That's, <laughs> that's what happens in this movie. It's not like I cut off this from the version that I sent to you guys. It literally starts, you know, camera, pants down, and there is, you know, uh, someone that we doesn't know, Julie Lee, is, who's uh, fucking this uh, Western gentleman. This was, this was one of my favorite scenes because they were doing the sex scooching. Yeah. Like, they they'd fuck, but they'd scooch across, through the sand. I didn't understand that. They did that in the last movie too. Yeah, the sand here again, like uncomfortable, uncomfortable. Like, uh, yeah, the guy is apparently uh, the guy who's the executive producer and the so-called planner in this movie, Thomas Freitag. So, so I'm thinking like this was backed by ex- ex- external sources. You know, uh, him maybe providing the money. He's in one scene. Uh, he dies in this scene. Uh, he's the first victim, and you got a Japanese director. So I, I don't know. Maybe Julia could afford to pay some like outside talent, but it still looks 
fairly conventional. You know, it's a Hong Kong movie rather than this uh, international movie. This, uh, this Guai Lo looks like he walked off the you know set of a, a Billy Ray Cyrus music video or something like that. Like a, a semi mullet thing going on, and he's like balding. He, he's and then he's a silent humper. <laughs> I don't know. It's a weak scene too because when he dies and Julie cuts to well the director cuts to a shot of the blood hitting the ground and he can't see it. It's like something hits the ground, like it might as well be cut. It's might it might as well be sperm, you know, because we can't see the color of it. So it's it's kind of weak, yeah, weakly made here, if you will. But uh, uh, but but regardless, that with that out of the way, we gotta talk. Yeah, the second name talent in this movie, aside from Julie Lee, like the second recognizable face in this movie, is the king, Elvis Choi Kam Kong. Oh yeah, who appears in the bar scene and in uh, uh, in the scene storytelling in terms of the story in the scene in the park where he gets hung up, strung up and murdered. Uh, but the thing is that, but the thing is that's clearly not Elvis because they cover they cover him up with a skull mask, and I think Elvis agreed to appear in one scene, and that's the bar scene. And, uh... and more gross tongue kissing with the skull mask. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how would you be able to like provide any kind of pleasure with that mask on? You know, because he attempts to go down on her, but that, that wouldn't work, right? <laughs> that, that that's what I was looking at. I was like, is he supposed to be performing like you know oral sex on her? And it's like. There's no opening for his tongue. So he's just rubbing plastic against her down there. It's Julie, man. It's Julie. For her, it works. <laughs> for her, it works. But, but she picks up uh, him at a bar because she arrives all decked up, all red, ready to be s and if you would like. <laughs> and, uh, it, it's hilarious. and It leads to one of my favorite subtitles in the movie because as she sits down next to Elvis, he says in the subtitles, Miss... Has anyone told you about your special sexy regard? <laughs> I wrote that down. Ever. I don't know what that means, but Elvis could sell that like you read about, I'm sure. <laughs> your special sexy regard. What does that mean, Wendy? <laughs> you know, I want to rub my special sexy regard all over you. <laughs> you ever get that one, Wendy? When you're out at the bars and whatnot? Any guys ever walk up telling you that? Well, I gotta chart up my regard before I go out to the bar. <laughs> oh well, yeah, there you go. So, so, like, store this line and the and the usage of bags of shit for future years. So, you know, we got we got those we got that from these two movies. You know, you know it, it's not that it's overly apparent that Elvis, when they go out to the park to have sex, you know, that they switch him out, but. You know, you just know that because she immediately puts a mask on him that Elvis did not agree to appear in two scenes for this movie. It's immediate, right? They don't even show him putting on the mask, do they? I think it's just the cut to the next scene and he's got it on. Exactly. Half on and then then it's all hidden. But, you know, that's a serial killer movie. Does this have anything to offer if we turn to you, Jay? Uh, I've seen much better. More coherent. I mean, I, I'll take Anthony Wong over Julie Lee. I would love to see both, like Untold Story versus Trilogy of Lust. <laughs> okay. oh that that could be something else, and, and and even some of the the rape revenge films I've seen out of Hong Kong, I, I would prefer them. This is pr- plenty nuts, and it's worth kind of just to see for how off the rails it goes. But I can't say is is a, a coherent movie that it, it's any great shakes. I, I do like that Julie, again, does something fairly unusual, puts so much into this. Like, 
you know, S&M and BDSM, you know, choking games and chains and ropes. And there's so much here, maybe too much, if you know, one can argue. But uh, that, that I dig about Julia, that there's no, like, internal censorship there either. Like, if we can put it on screen and the censors don't mind, do it. You know, and uh, it's funny, though, when she, uh, the editing of this initial scene with so-called Elvis, uh, they cut from her saying, like, oh, let's play some games, cut to him already tied up and in the pulley system that she's arranged. And you don't see her ever, like, not not an Evil Dead-like montage of, like, suiting up. It's just, like, cut to, he's tied up now. <laughs> But there, there's so much in this movie that could be explored between the one guy exploring himself and, uh, yeah. you know, the, the end scene, and then there's the mm-hmm. HIV thing, and then you just, like, drop that all together. And then oh, and that weird, gone... weird plot about the her, co- her co-workers hating her. Yeah. Yeah, it, it could have gone all these places and been kind of interesting, but it, it's so scattershot. It, it kind of is full of interesting things, but it doesn't flesh anything out or go anywhere with them. It's kind of just like one scene, and then, oh, we're on to something else. I, I agree. The content is there. That's The wild content is enough for me to personally recommend it, but, but I can totally see that uh, as a coherent movie and, like explore, and a movie that explores, like every character it is not doing that but it's kind of enough for me to like oh julie's doing that oh my god she's doing that now and oh my god as we'll talk of i'm sure shortly she's doing that with a hairbrush i've never seen that you know i'll put that in the like column for me you know uh but you know let's wendy i'm sure you want to talk about uh the blue lit uh trigger room psycho room uh, what do you remember from the scenes in that that room. Oh, you know, that was very, very sexy. You know, that was the thing I didn't quite understand. So, was there a scene where she had tied herself up in that room? Can we can we discuss that weird bungee cord wire work sex scene at the beginning? Yeah, sure. Uh, that, that was, uh, she, she's tied up Elvis, uh, as I alluded to, very quickly, and uh, she's uh, she's skilled at it. You know, the pulley system is quite uh, advanced, isn't it? <laughs> right, she's got her, you know, her, her whole, like, rigging system and everything, and she's controlling this guy, dropping down on like a bungee cord, and somehow he's able to to nail her. He's able to get right into her pussy every time, and he's tied up. So it's not like he's aiming his cock. I don't understand how. <laughs> it's it's, it's <laughs> talent when when you've been in so many of these movies like Elvis Choi has. <laughs> you could find that hole no matter what, you know. He even says at one point like it's hard to aim. <laughs> Did, did, didn't she have a chain in her mouth or that she was pulling or something? Mm-hmm. Right, but he was still bouncing up and down. Like, somehow his cock had to have been aimed to oh, get into her. Suspension of disbelief. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, suspended, he was definitely. So. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, it, it's marvelous how skilled she, had, she is at that. And uh, it, it's a pretty good kill, a kill, actually. I mean, it's off screen, yeah, but uh, she uh, she puts a, um, a sharpened, like, a pipe underneath him and then she lowers him down one final time and then splat. You know, she he's uh, pierced her that way. So I, I, I kind of like that crude, but, you know, basically staged uh, uh, murder scene. Uh, but yeah, going back to the psycho room, trigger room, where she apparently ties up herself. Um, uh, uh, yeah, she, she she likes that room, does she, Wendy? So what what goes on in that room besides uh, chaining herself to the radiator or what have you? 
Well, that's also the room where, uh, well, no, I guess she cuts off people's, uh, I, I guess she cuts off body parts in every room. She doesn't care about that. But that's like her secret, her secret dungeon hole. <laughs> For, uh, using wire brushes, right? <laughs> I, I always thought that it was the bathroom as well, because there is a wall at the back of the room where possibly the toilet is, but, uh, I don't know. Maybe there was just a hairbrush in there anyway, and she uses that. Like, uh, well, one side she puts in, puts in herself. Maybe that, that isn't too bad, but she reverses the brush. <sighs> that thing looks like. Oh, God. It's when she jams that coarse bristled brush inside of her. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. And did you notice the camera moves in and out like it's fucking with her at the same time? You know, yeah. like in and out, <laughs> in and out. And, and you can hear like sound effects like. <laughs> like really disgusting foley <laughs> and that's like one of the it's not like a hairbrush it's like one of those well maybe it is i don't know but it looked to me like one of those brushes that you like use for uh like almost like i don't know an animal or something like that or like you fleece well, was, something it was, with it was one of those coarse bristle brushes and it was round so <laughs> oh yeah again done, not done for real this time maybe off camera like yeah, I, got, I got a prep guys <laughs> you know I'll do it for real for a little bit and then we do the softcore thing <laughs> but uh, you know this is a softcore movie after all but I like that this movie managed to after even being screened for censors to feature as much as it does I think that that, what's made, that is what makes it entertaining for me like ha she didn't oh boy did she ever that is fucked up <laughs> So, I mean, I, I laugh with it, kind of, uh, in, in that regard. Uh, but uh, There's a couple of sequences in, is in here where, like, I kind of felt like uh, it was similar to the Category 3 cut of the first film, where, like, uh, there was a, there was some sequences that seemed like they may have been cut. Do you know anything uh, about that? I, I know there are there's censorship cuts all over this movie, particularly during the end. Uh, you can hear it. Uh, but uh, uh, nothing... The, the scene that's missing the most is the final rape scene. Uh, definitely, it's really, really incoherent. But they, uh, I doubt they shot one hardcore scene and left the others softcore. I think it all the way they, they shot it softcore, even though it's a pretty nasty film at points. Because what I mean also by Edger uh, from my brief comment is that it has some darker sections that by this director, this uh, Jiro Ishikawa, you know, it's standard stuff, the flashbacks to horrible events, in this case, you know, molestation and uh, rape by, like, her uncle's uh, friends, you know, during a particularly drunken mahjong night. You know, <laughs> for for the genre, it's, it's not too badly done. I mean, it gets the effect across, I would definitely say that. Uh, um, so it's a little bit of a tight atmospheric uh, film, and uh, I... I I just find it quite entertaining how she does dispose of her victims. That That's almost, it's entertaining because it's almost nigh on uh, comedic to, uh, and especially the disco boy that she picks up and uh, <laughs> what, she, what she does to that guy. I mean, uh, they do have sex. Yeah. In that, the love motel, that uh, pink lit love motel, but she, <laughs> she ends up stapling him to death, essentially. And not only one staple, like, here and there. Oh, yeah. She, she, she does the same thing there. She staples him off screen a little bit. Cut to 5,000 of them. All over his body. I mean, I was like, man, you'd have to sit there and refill that staple gun. Like, <laughs> I'll I don't be right know back. I'll be right back. Yeah. I'll buy some more. I'll buy some more cartridges. 
but uh, so that, that, that's my main like uh, thing I want to say about that scene. What do you remember about that scene, Jay? Do you remember any uh, animal action from that scene, possibly? Well, uh, there's some octopus action. <laughs> how, how you carry around a, a good-sized octopus in your handbag, I'm not quite sure how that works, but she seems very well well planned. Oh, it smells and, so bad, too. <laughs> I know. And uh, once the guy's tied up and before she staples him, she throws an octopus onto his crotch. It's dead, so it's not squirming around, but still, kind of nasty. Yeah, it's not like this fucking, like, uh, it's a real one, obviously, <laughs> that they, they got at the market next door, probably. But then uh, she rips the tape off his mouth, puts it over his nose, and then puts a, a, a handful of octopus into his mouth to choke oh, him with no. it. I wouldn't do that for a billion dollars. <laughs> uh, well, a billion, maybe. But <laughs> oh, no way, no way. No Swedish old boy remake for you. Nope. <laughs> I didn't even like the original, so I don't even want to do this. But, but you know, it, it's not the most creative murder sequence, but, but I got to tell you, because it, the, out, the elements are so out there, I think it's very entertaining that it goes from, okay, they're, they're having sex, and at one point he's, I think, fucking her while also mouth-fucking her with uh, a dildo. So, yeah, that was that was interesting. A dildo was, that had, like, measurements on it. It was either, like, a ruler or a temp- for temperature yeah, or something. Yeah, yes. <laughs> that was uh, an, an unusual inclusion. Like, uh, like a rebuilt, kind of a re- <laughs> custom-made. That uh, was like... And then he's... Uh, he was sucking on it. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was... <laughs> he was into it. Yeah, that actor was game, clearly, too. Like, Julie knows how to surround herself with at least two or three actors that are willing to go with uh, anything she says. You know, uh, the guy from f- the first movie and uh, two guys from this one. You know, Ro- Robert uh, and, uh, and and this guy, essentially. I would like to get Wendy's opinion on the double-sided uh, mouth dildo scene between... Uh... I, I thought that, was, that was the only thing I thought was kind of hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was the closest this movie came to sexy for you? Right, and even that is very marginal. But maybe yeah. by this point, like, I'd seen so much naked, like, I was ready, I really wanted something to be hot. I don't know. <laughs> I get you, I totally got you. After the first movie, like, uh, maybe that's why I like this movie so much. Like, hey, it's, it, 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 it's like being in, like, comfy territory again for some reason. Like, the whole the, the se- prolonged sex scene at the office or whatever so normal. Like in comparison to everything we've probably watched up until this point between the two movies, it would have been like it could, could have been like this uh, Charlie Cho is the boss kind of scene, and he has sex with one of his employees. It felt that ordinary, right? And it, it's and then there's a sequence where like those two are once again back in that office later on in the movie, and I was just like, oh god, please don't have sex again. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is gonna go on forever. Don't do it. But no, no, Robert, by this point, as, uh, because she, she denies Robert's sex at that point, you know, because he hasn't wooed Linda good enough. Uh, Robert is a fantastic character, fantastic character to have, because you, you'd think, okay, he's sexually frustrated, so by now he, he'd be willing to jerk off to anything. And, and he does, you know, he jerks off to these toys and dolls in the office, but they're not sex toys or sex dolls. They're just like fucking... Uh, Dolls and toys, you know, regular toys. But sexy day were not, but he comes like a motherfucker despite, you know. <laughs> no, yeah, plastic dolls. I don't know. I know a lot of toy collectors. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you, oh, you, oh, you, you'd think, okay, Robert, 
is actually frustrated. But then he he goes off the rails himself. And uh, you know, if 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 it's one scene that I remember from this movie, I watched it many years ago, and this is my first rewatch since then. It's Robert, um, you know, exploring Linda's apartment and how utterly lost he is, and also pretty stupid because he finds her body parts collection. Yeah. And he sees it like, oh, ooh, lever bra. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the body parts is nothing. Like, you know, that's kind of hot. It's like, <laughs> yeah, ooh, lever bra. <laughs> and then he puts dad on. It's like, okay, Robert, you're, you're lost. What, what are you up to next? And who who want to tell us what happens next? Why, why don't you, Joshua, tell us what happens next when he finds the... Uh, the graffiti room. Oh yeah. Well, uh, is this? I believe this is a sequence where he takes the wooden baton dildo, right? Yep. And uh, because that first... room has power. Apparently, yeah. apparently, and uh, you know, Robert's into exploring his body now because he's <laughs> so, he's all grown up and stuff. <laughs> right. And so now you know he decides to take that wooden baton, and uh, we get a little prolonged. Uh, ass play sequence there although not hardcore so we were denied you know shots of his hairy and no doubt disgusting ass he's a young guy so maybe not ass disgusting i don't know <laughs> oh julie lee wouldn't have casted him if he didn't have a disgusting asshole that's true that's true uh you know what kills me about this scene is that he loops up the baton with a tiny 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 bit of spit yes like <laughs> yeah. it's like that'll do <laughs> I, See, I don't, you know, I, I just don't ex- under- really understand his, you know, transformation. Really, you know, like what pushes him into this life that that quick? Because there's like no hints at anything beforehand or anything like that. You only have like two or three scenes that it really go into, you know, his story, and uh, so it's always a surprise with him. This is the weakness of the movie. Like it doesn't fill in any blanks uh, it just happens i mean it's a fantastic scene to have uh, and a feature to have but it it doesn't make sense as you said but it's great it's it's pretty great and the guy acts it out pretty damn well like that uh, ecstasy of having that baton jammed up there pretty far to be honest oh yeah it's a, and it's a big long one too might as well be a broom handle there you go uh, i don't have many other notes other than i was surprised i mean i, I like it i i i, I said i'd rewatch trilogy of last but uh, i'd rewatch this over one, I picked this over one because it's surprises entertain me so much more, despite it not being this well-rounded like character piece or murder mystery or serial killer movie. But uh, I was surprised at one point where after Julie Lee has found out uh, the disco boy had HIV, she finds out via new support. She 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 gets all distraught and does she know doesn't know what she's doing and goes out having sex left and right. She takes her clothes off in public and uh, she has sex with this uh, real estate agent in an alley. That does the classic thing of being on the phone with a client and saying yes yes yes. Yeah. But I was surprised that this movie, the first movie featured an uncut uh, but probably faked cum shot. This one because it hits her face. Even though it's softcore, that the sense is objective because you get a quick cut, uh, you hear it on the audio, and you see it on the movie, and then cut to Julie's face, pretty drenched in what's supposed to be his sperm. Uh, and I'm thinking that's probably Hong Kong census like style. Well, 
in the first one, the cum just flew in the air, you know, fine. But if you if it's going in the face, then then the scissors come out. Uh, so there you go. But um, so so I would like to see this uncut. Actually, I mean, uh, uncut as um, it may exist, even though this monster is uh, is what is uh, the length it is and all of that. So I, I don't really have. And the, the the only two notes I have, but I'm sure you guys can fill and fill them out a little bit better than I can. So I'll read my notes. Playing Japanese cooking show. Playing. She's playing a Japanese cooking show. She, she has a Japanese cooking show, in a way, in her own living room. That was weird, man. It's, it's more start... Hannibal Lecter's cooking show than... <laughs> no, Hannibal Lecter's way more delicate about shit. <laughs> Hannibal Lecter's not as sloppy as she is. He's not just throwing octopuses on people's wing, you know. <laughs> It's a pretty elaborate like setup, despite being so out of her mind. She's set that up pretty well, but she thinks she's talking into a camera. And like, today we're cooking this, and it's like, okay. You know, it's a trip to me that she was the one that wrote this movie for herself. You know what I'm saying? And, like, the the finale of the movie is just such a horrible thing to endure. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's it's not really like a, an ego project or something like that. You know, you just... You wouldn't. You Julie wouldn't think you'd write vanity. <laughs> you wouldn't think you would write this for yourself, getting pissed on by four guys who beaten rape you and. Yeah, because you no, know, normally, I mean, it would. You're very right. It would be the other way around. Someone wrote this for you, and and it could have been like a category three movie headed by triads or something, and some poor girl had to appear in this shit. And but here, you're right. It's Julie Lee headed production is and like okay this is what we're doing and you're doing this to me like throw, throw me around piss on me throw me in the paint you know well yeah but, she's like so. I'm rolling around in the paint I'm an artist suffering for my art <laughs> <laughs> would this be considered misogynist since she's the one who wrote it for herself yes she's a misogynist <laughs> It does pack the, pass the Bechdel test, so it's okay. I don't know if she ever had a conversation with another woman. Did she? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, uh, yeah that's Lily. in the office. In the office yeah. when she's bitching. All right, okay, this totally passes the Bechdel test. <laughs> they discuss things other than men, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Her office attire, work. Uh, but yeah, this last rape scene is, um, you know, her just walking into the bar completely out of her mind. And some people take advantage of that and they lead her to this abandoned uh, abandoned room, put on condom masks and go to town on her. And this is... Yeah, I don't think that's how you're supposed to put on a condom. <laughs> and why mask themselves after meeting her? Condoms? <laughs> Well, she likes to put well, they, skull masks on dudes after meeting them. And they all introduce themselves by name, it should be added. Like, I'm Brother Chu, I'm Brother Lou, I'm Brother Ah, you know? It's um, it, it's it's the one the sequence that is missing the most, because of, uh, halfway into it, all you hear is audio jumps, and the um, edits are really, really abrupt. I mean, you the, there might be up to 10, 20 seconds of them just peeing all over her. Uh, but all you see is the aftermath, and there's a lot of, so to say, piss here. You can see that there's a lot of it there. So I'm thinking they shot some really, really extensive stuff. Uh, but the sense is, <laughs> no. <laughs> how, how does four guys time their urination at the same time like that? It's just, it's amazing. Can't explain it either. So. <laughs> but it's a nylon stunt sequence. I mean, I, I, I don't know if they ever got a double foil to throw her around there, but uh, it looks like she does a lot of the throwing herself into 
you know, the paint and what have you. And just, uh, it's a nasty little sequence, but, but yeah, Julie Lee did, <laughs> it was her creation, presumably. It's, you know, it's not someone else who forced her into this because, uh, it seems to go align with her character. This, you know, she's going to make it. <laughs> and, and she didn't. I mean, uh, the, they did come out, come out in, uh, 1995, there is uh, like a box office tally for the second one of 1.3 Hong Kong million dollars, which is not a lot. It played for 15 days, what have you. So it was out there for a little bit, but, uh, you know, came and went. And um, it's only us that remember it, you know. It's only it's only Sleazy K that brings up uh, the memory of it. But uh, there we go. I don't have any other notes other than that. I uh, I think it's uh, it's weak, but also very entertaining because of the individual sequences. Uh, pretty much are because they go for it. That they are so wild, and they are. And there is some edgier filmmaking present with, present within those scenes. But as a whole, it's uh, it's. You, you can't say it's uh, it's a coherent or strong whole, but uh, I have no problem sitting through it. It's a it's a fast watch even for me and never boring. So, tail end of my notes. Let's go around the table again. So, want to add anything else, uh, Jay? I I think we've said it all. I'm 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 still stunned <laughs> at what, what I witnessed. I mean, you guys don't watch uh, as much as I do, but it's still. I, I guarantee you, this is still. Even when you watch many category three movies, this still stands out because of the way it conducts itself. I suppose it's it's like the de- decibel level. If we're gonna compare it in decibel levels, it is like up to eleven kind of thing here, uh, without being hardcore. I'm not a big fan of the category three sex films. They they never like the the Hong Kong the the really broad acting and the uh, I want like the look of the films don't appeal to me. But that's my thing. I I know other people are are really into it, but for me, it just doesn't quite work. And this is one of those movies where it's so over the top that it's more entertaining than some of the ones I have seen. But it Mm -hmm. still doesn't quite give me a cohesive, you know, film. Or it's not like pretty to look at visually when I when I watch it. Mm-hmm. What about you, Wendy? Anything else you want to share? No, I think we pretty much covered it. Oh, wait, did we did we discuss uh, the the finale of the the guy at the end? Oh, uh, no, we did. I mean, we we spoiled it already, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we we might as well. I mean, Robert becomes Linda Lee. <laughs> he walks. We get a reprisal of the scene at the top of the movie with uh, again Julie Lee as Linda, all decked out, uh, ready to be S and M'd. And we get the same scene, only it's Robert this time, looking exactly the same. And the police arrest him, because he's actually killed his <laughs> girlfriend. <laughs> he strangled his girlfriend at the hour mark, like, uh, he strangled his girlfriend. Now, do you think that they arrested him uh, because he was he was being lewd in public, or were they arresting him because they thought that he was the killer? He, he, he was the killer, because uh, I think the uh, Guaylo, the Western police officer, that appears in two scenes, found enough conclusive evidence uh, towards that, but, you know, maybe both. I don't know. Because they, they wouldn't have had uh, people staking out the place uh, otherwise, because they were there. So, uh, so, so it's hard to imagine that they knew it was Robert, even though he was uh, decked out in uh, in drags or so. But yeah, Joshua, any other final notes about this uh, this uh, visionary uh, Julie Lee and her visions? Uh, I miss her. And uh, I think we should have her as a guest one day. We'll, we'll contact her. We'll find her. See what she's been up to. I'm sure she's had some kind of weird ass art gallery somewhere. She's been making weird shit for the past several years. Wouldn't be surprised. I wish that we had some sort of like 
American equivalent, like let's say like Megan Fox has some sort of breakdown and starts making weird sex films for herself. You know, something you totally wouldn't expect. I would like that. Oh, that'd be fantastic. I'd watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Megan Fox having sex with like sand on some dude's penis. Like a super hot chick just doing ugly fucked up shit. And everybody knows about it, too. Like, it's in the public consciousness, too. Uh, okay. Um, that's, I guess, is it. Uh, as for availability, this title lies with the company Maya. And it's their DVD that we watched. Um, letterboxed. Clear. It's from the cinema print, so it has embedded subtitles. Uh, Funny-ass subtitles every now and again. Uh, that DVD is actually now out of print, so uh, you got to look for used copies or if worse comes to worse uh, torrents. Uh, it would have been fun, though, because Maya at one point struck new masters for some of their back catalog and reissued them as anamorphic DVDs. Uh, and who knows, maybe they did strike a new master for Trilogy of Lust 2, and it's in their vaults, but uh, no DVD release has um, happened uh, up, up uh, to this uh, point. So it uh, would be cool, uh, even if it's like still cut, I still would have liked to see like this movie look a little bit better just because it's one of those movies that you don't expect to look more state-of-the-art uh, than, uh, than what you get. But uh, there it is. Uh, let's uh, rock and roll and kind of wind this down the next time. It's easy to pick movies, really. Uh, no for our tidy white theater. So I thought like a Simon Yam category-free double bill because uh, you can pick Anthony Wong double bill. You can pick Simon Yam double bill. You can pick Charlie Cho double bill. But this time, uh, Simon Yam, I mean, there's plenty to choose from. And this is an A-list actor. You know, he had no trouble dipping his toe into the nastiest of roles uh, in the 90s. And uh, he consistently works. And it's still true today, even though they don't make decent movies with this graphic content anymore. But uh, next time. For a tidy way to feel special, we take a look at him stalking a female reporter in the movie Don't Stop My Crazy Love for You. That includes the subtitle, uh, we'll bring the full context on the show, but it includes, it includes the subtitle that I think goes, You shot my dicky, how cruel you are. <laughs> Uh, it's a serious moment in the film. It's very serious. It's uh, it's uh, crescendo and uh, all of that in the finale. You shot my dicky. And the second movie uh, with Sammy Yam that we'll be looking at is him being tortured by Danny Lee and his cops in Twist. And uh, being a Category 3 movie, they raise the stakes a little bit in terms of how shall we torture our victim in this one. And Danny Lee's movies obviously contain that a lot. This one includes shoving a hose up Simon Yam's butt and turning the water on. And uh, if uh, you didn't feel like, don't stop my crazy love, doesn't sound so fun, Joshua, uh, Michael Dubbed Wong is also in the movie. He's got the dub going, though? Yeah, he's in the movie, Uh. and it's Michael Dubbed Wong rather than Michael uh, (laughs) I.R. Wong or something like that. Uh, but uh, he, he is in it, and uh, that's reason enough to kind of... Uh, he plays the uh, boyfriend of uh, the female lead character, so, he, he, you know, he doesn't come in there speaking English or anything, unfortunately. Let's do the contact information, but before, thank you very much for the entire tragedy trio, including Joshua, who uh, survived this, like, sweat experience of which camp do I belong to? <laughs> well, it's colliding. It's scary. You can share them. Exactly. I'm, I'm open to whatever. So, Heads uh, but, or tails. <laughs> but uh, thank you very much, Jay, for coming on and uh, gracing this uh, this show. Uh, very much enjoyed that. And thank you very much, Wendy, for 
adding color to this show as well. And the entire trio adds a color to this week's list. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So it's been an absolute pleasure to dip into hardcore porn territory because you you, you just don't pick the, any other like Charlie Show little comedic fuckfest. You know, I, I had to pick something like this. Something to, fitting. <laughs> yeah, and it, for the trashy trio, it kind of, uh, I think it fits. So. Yeah. Thank you. You picked something empowering for us. <laughs> you do want to know about Charlie Show. I know that, Wendy, but I thought, like, uh, Julie Lee well, is good enough, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's my new best friend. <laughs> wonder if that movie The Ghost is out there on streaming, that with Michael Madsen, just, just like, <laughs> like Julie Riva or Riva or Julie Lee. Ghost. The Ghost. But, uh, yeah, that is it. But, uh, Hopefully we can do this again sometime, and uh, uh, everybody uh, will get the URL for all your endeavors again in the contact information. So here we go. Uh, this has been this weekend's leads on the Podcast on Fire Network, podcastonfire.com, for this show, all the other shows and the bonus episodes. And whenever me and Joshua do bonus episodes, it's naturally buying episodes, boner episodes, because we're immature like that. Uh, podcast on fire at googlemail.com email like us on facebook facebook.com forward slash puf network join the discussion group type in podcast on fire network in the facebook search bar to find us tweet us or follow our tweets twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire my writing of various filthy movies and uh, filthy exploitation of richard harrison type of movies at uh, sogoodreviews.com and sleazykvideo.com movies that feature the same locations where Julie Lee was fisted. <laughs> you know, those, are the, those are the kind of movies I write about. Ninjas fought there. Julie Lee was fisted. You know, they should have put up a plaque at Devil's Peak. <laughs> These two great things happened here. And like when people walk by, Julie Lee was fisted. <laughs> Who approved this? And you can see me running away. Like, ha, 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 I did it. <laughs> Uh, but uh, sogoodreviews.com sleazykvideo.com for my brief video reviews, uh, spoken video reviews and I tweet at twitter.com forward slash sogoodreviews rate and subscribe subscribe to This Week in Sleaze on iTunes and if you have the time please write a small review if you like the show or even if you disliked it but uh, don't be a dick about it and be constructive about it, tell us what we're doing wrong if you think we are doing something wrong and uh, <laughs> if you think <laughs> if you think something is wrong then it's probably directed towards the content like Eggs are wrong. <laughs> Egg sex is wrong. And we would agree with you. <laughs> uh, and uh, follow us on Stitcher or rather stream us on Stitcher.com, but also the application available for your iPhone, iPad, or Android. And type in this weekend's list to follow us. Shelflifeclothing.com, Brian Kirby's t shirt line, including the very famous Caucasians t shirt. Hopefully, that story, when this gets out, it's still uh, an active story, uh, so we'll see that. But at the time of recording, Caucasians at shelflifeclothing.com. That's the hot T-shirt kids to be wearing, so check that out. Joshua, you have some plugs, including the Trashy Trio, so go ahead. VariedCelluloid.net and uh, TrashyTrio.Lipson.com. And uh, we, we actually uh, uh, neglected to mention where we can find your podcast, Wendy. So do... Give it a mention again, and where, where's the URL and stuff like that. Double page spread. You can find us on iTunes or on the Stitcher. And, uh, you know, please feel free to leave me leave me a rating or a message there. As well as doublepgspread.tumblr.com. Oh, uh, tum- Tumblr, Tumblr thing that all the kids are doing, I suppose. Or maybe Tumblr is out. I don't know about these things. So. 
Snapchat? <laughs> yeah, apparently Facebook is out and Snapchat is in, but again, I don't know about this. You know, I put up my Pinterest board with the... It's too much. I'm too old for this stuff. I mean, why can't... Can't change me. I, I just got got the grasp of Instagram, so you, you can't go changing that today. <laughs> so, uh, and again, Jay, you're out there and uh, discussing movies on the Trashy Trio and uh, out there on the web in some shape or form discussing toys, Japanese monsters, and what have you. I'm just I'm out there somewhere. <laughs> it sounds ominous. I can behind you. Well, very poetic. Like I'm out there somewhere. Uh, but anyway, let's uh, finish this up. Let's stop the fucking and fisting. And uh, what a shame. It's over so soon. What a shame. Uh, so uh, I've been Sleazy K and with me was Wendy, Jay, George for Trash Trio. So say bye, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Love you. <laughs> Please don't show us egg porn again. <laughs> <laughs>